uh, the bam, we're live. Uh, the episode I noticed yesterday, the episode from December 24th in the morning. Do you remember at the very end? I'm like, okay, let's do one more thing. And we showed that footage of the, you, that you could barely tell, but it was two guys fighting. Someone was filming it outside their car. It was an old man oh. defending himself. Right. Dude, last night after the show, with I was telling Hiller about it. I was like, hey, do you think someone reported me? He said, for sure. But la- you can Seriously? go on YouTube and type in like fights and see fights that are a thousand times more graphic than the fight we showed. We were talking about um, <clears throat> there's a, a square in the area. I think it's like it's not in the country that we're in, but in some place people get deployed to. And there's like, oh, it's called. They had some name for it. <clears throat> Come to find out they do like public executions there. And oh, so my goodness. Oh my like goodness. You can pull that stuff up on YouTube and like current day stuff. And I was like, how is that stuff not getting pulled down off YouTube? But you're going to get flagged on a show that's significantly less uh, dramatic, I guess. And and it's, it's crazy. It's crazy that basically it's like Gestapo shit. Basically people can just report you like, Hey, the, the Jews live there. Yeah, it's bizarre. Man. Man, man, man. Uh, Chase Bryan, Morning Savage is back to working in the snow. What do you do? In the snow. Ooh, God, that's cold. God, that sounds cold. For all the people working outside now, man. I, I think it's cold. I wonder how cold it is in, in, in my house right now. I went to the beach yesterday. 48. Oh, it's going to rain today. I wonder what time that's going to happen. I want to take the boys to the skate park today for sure. It's been raining all day here. It has? Mm -hmm. Is is that normal for where you're at? I think in the winter, yeah. Yeah, it says it's going to rain here all all, all week. Oh, that's awesome. We can always use the rain in California. Always, always, always. Let it rain, baby. I'm so excited about this show. Me too. You don't even have any kids yet. <laughs> yet. Uh, here we go. Rod, Rod, good morning, brother. Good morning. How are you? I, I was just so excited about uh, technology. <laughs> I'm always like like poo-pooing technology and talking about how dumb some some of the technology we have is and then this morning i'm i was like wow this random dude who uh that i've never met before meets another random dude that's me and we can just reach out to each other i can reach out to you on a social media platform and just be like hey can i meet you and you're like yeah 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 it's it's amazing how it uh how it connects everybody right oh it's so cool it's a, like you and I, what, what, what state are you in? I'm in California. I'm in California. Where in California? Uh, San Bernardino. So Southern California. Okay. I'm in Santa Cruz. <laughs> some, you know, 300 miles North of you. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been, I'm, I'm from, uh, I'm from the Bay area actually. So uh, I've been to Santa Cruz quite a few times. Where were you born? Richmond. Oh, well, I was born in Oakland, raised in Richmond. At the children's hospital in Oakland? No, or, Kaiser. Oh, okay. I was born at the children's hospital. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. Oakland. Wow. And then, and then, did you grow up in Richmond? 
Yeah, I was in. Uh, I grew up in Richmond till uh, probably the tenth grade in high school, and then I moved to Antioch uh, for a couple years before I went to college. Wow! Did you go to Antioch High? No, I went to Deer Valley. It was brand new when I uh, when I got there. And uh, and uh, in uh, Richmond, what school did you go to? Deanza High School. Wow! Holy shit! I so I um, my parents. Uh, I was born in Oakland, and then I lived in El Cerrito. Okay. And then uh, when my parents divorced, I ended up moving to Pacheco. Do you know where that is? Yes. yes. Right next to Martinez. Yep. Yeah. Crazy. Um, f- fascinating. R- R- Richmond. Uh, it was kind. Of, it was kind of interesting. And then, and then when I was sixteen, my mom kicked me out of the house, and my dad moved. My dad owned these two fourplexes on San Pablo. He got okay. them like on foreclosure. You know <laughs> where the rent was like twenty five dollars a month to live in an apartment there on San Pablo. This is like in the eighties. And it, it, they were crazy. I, I'm 50. How old are you? I'm 39. 39. I don't. I don't know if you remember, but San Pablo. I mean, Richmond was definitely pretty nuts. But uh, when I moved into this neighborhood on San Pablo, it was it was like a it was like a 70s movie. Like there were the dudes with the fedoras and the feather and the yeah. two Rottweilers, and he would have the line <laughs> of the prostitutes up on San Pablo. It was San it was Pablo, wild that, shit. That is- that is San Pablo, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was crazy. <laughs> San Pablo and Richmond, and then uh, MacArthur in Oakland. That is definitely what you would have saw uh, around that time for sure. Yeah, I watched that. I watched that whole neighborhood there um, change when my when I when I moved into that neighborhood. It was completely completely different than fifteen or twenty years after. Uh, they they yeah. put in Fourth Street down there. That you know, have you seen that? No, Fourth Street where the Apple Store is and. In Berkeley, oh, it's crazy! All that shit back there, what they did, it, it, it's pretty cool. They, they it's, yeah. it's pretty cool, yeah. It's 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 pretty darn cool. I guess some people would consider gentrification, and and I know that has a uh, negative term, but um, the neighborhood definitely got significantly safer. It was freaky for a while. Yeah, 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 yeah. When I was when I was coming up in Richmond, it was it was bad for sure. Yeah, it was like Richmond and Oakland. I mean, obviously there were a lot of cities that can claim this, but it was like Richmond and Oakland were, were like these murder capitals of the country. Yeah. And then yeah. wedged right between yep. them was, you know, Berkeley, home of the educated Jew, you know? And it was like, wow, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, it, was a, it was an interesting little sandwich, right? Yeah, for sure. And and fascinating to me growing up. So then I would always commute over the hill to College Park. That was the school across from DVC. That was the high school over there. Yep. I, yep. I went to, uh, I went to DVC for, uh, for, uh, football and then I transferred from there. So yeah. No, I had some friends that played at college park. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. What a small world. Yeah. That's I, I did. Uh, <laughs> I did, a a year and a half at DVC and then I went to, um, and then I did another seven years of undergrad at UC, <laughs> at UC Santa Barbara, <laughs> if that's what you want to call it. Uh, this is Caleb. Uh, Caleb runs, the back end occasionally he talks uh caleb uh, is in the uh u.s military he's deployed overseas in an undisclosed location all right all right caleb, nice and, and, ho- and hopefully after this conversation caleb will want to have kids we won't we won't have scared him we'll i hope see. not i hope not <laughs> um thank you for your for your contribution i think that um the the I think the the number one thing that's um, bad for kids in the world is uh, being born, 
but that's something that you know the leading cause of death of children is is the fact that they're born it's leading cause of death for all people (laughs) as a matter of fact and then and then of course uh after that i think that the single greatest thing you can do for a child if you want to reduce their chance of heart disease going to jail being obese uh you name it after that uh the number one thing you can do to them is give them uh, two healthy parents I think it's the common denominator that fixes almost all problems. And, and I think you're making a massive contribution. And I think you've taken on probably one of the most noble uh, endeavors uh, in society today by, uh, you know, doing your part to give parents the tools to stay together. Yeah, man, it's, it's, it's amazing how, how staggering the, I guess the statistics are with versus like a, a single parent home versus a, a two parent home, right? Especially when that that second parent is the father, right? When when the fathers are involved in a child's life, um they just and I and I try to do this without like singling out single mothers because when I when I say something, when I post something, immediately it hits a vein. And I understand it. I, I grew up with a single mother for a large portion of my life. Um, and I understand the pride that she took in being able to raise me and, and, you know, through all the odds and all the different things that she had to go up against in her own life. Um, but being able to, to give me the tools and, and provide for me. And I understand the pride in that. But the reality is, is if a child doesn't have their father, um, they just don't do as well as a child with a father, even if that father isn't great. Right. Just the presence of, of a male figure um, that is related to them, that they can see themselves in, that they hold value, uh, with, uh, just, it just changes their, their life dramatically. Uh, I mean, we're talking, uh, education, um, like you said, obesity, we're talking prison time, um, self-esteem. There's so many different things that, that, you know, just having a present and available father, uh, changes for a child. Yeah. That is the interesting thing, right? Like, it it really isn't something um i got it here in my notes how how do we talk about this without making it seem like it, there's some duality like the point is isn't uh, a dig at mothers at all zero. Zero, 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 zero dig at mothers a matter of fact it, it's kind of interesting i, I want to play this clip it, like for me personally in my mind i think if you could only like i think every boy needs a mom <clears throat> like like you really need your mommy like you got to have someone who nurtures you and, and gives you that unconditional uh, love that mom gives you. But I, but I want to play this clip. It's at the very top. I played it a couple shows ago. It's from your Instagram account. And it, it really blew me away because I, the end of this clip, I had never heard this, uh, this part uh, before. Here we go. And this, by the way, this is uh, from uh, Rod Richards uh, Instagram account of uh, forfeit uh, fatherhood. Uh, anyone just follow it even if you don't have kids you should follow it because it will give you perspective on society so when there's other things that you think might be the problem like gun laws um, diet all of these other things that people are trying to fix these are just uh, symptoms and they're you're not addressing the issue mm-hmm. and, and when you address symptoms what you do is you often exacerbate the problem okay action the home have lower self-esteem. Okay, fine. That sucks. But also women with low self-esteem are more, are more promiscuous. No father family is more, more likely to be victims of abuse, especially with single 
mothers. The more opportunities a child has to interact with biological father, the less likely they are to commit a crime or have contact with a juvenile justice system. Okay, another way to say that is men and women who are incarcerated, the population of the prisons mostly encompass fatherless homes. Now, here's something that no one else has mentioned, which I think is cool, and I, I don't really say this eloquently. If a man and wife raise a child, they're less likely to end up in jail, but they have the same statistical chance as children raised by just their father. So if we want to keep That's children, crazy. Adults, I, I I had actually never I had never heard that. Have you ever heard that anywhere else, or have you dug into that? I, I haven't I haven't heard that anywhere else. Um, and I'm I'm definitely going to dive into it uh, because you know a lot of times you see stuff on social media and it's like, all right, that sounds that sounds accurate and it fits the the mold that I'm trying to go in. But but let's make sure that that's accurate. Um, I can say though, and from my my own experience. <clears throat> there is a level of, I would say, discipline that comes from the father um, that, that is just kind of natural um, that I think children who are raised by single mothers don't get. I know when my mom, when my mom, when my dad was out of our lives for that period of time where he was gone, um, there was definitely a wild west feel, you know, it was like, I knew that I, I didn't want to disappoint my mom. Yes. At the, same, yes. at the same time, it was like, well, she don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? It wasn't even like then when my dad came back around, it was just even that little bit of a thought like, ooh, what if my dad finds out? It's just that little bit just made me stop in my tracks before I did something. Um, and so that's why I think you get that, especially where she's talking about the jail situation is, is a lot of a lot of children see their father as an authority figure already. So they don't test the authority figure levels, you know, like if you don't see your mom as authority figure and you see her just as loving, then you go and test another authority figure. Right. Like, I think I think as 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 fathers, we we kind of experience that our kids will kind of test us a little bit, see how far they can push. But if there's no one in the house that is testable, well, then you test somebody outside the house. Um, And then if nobody kind of curtails that early then you end up with more problems and you start testing bigger authority figures. You you bring up a good point. Yeah. That was my relationship with my mom. There was only one thing that I didn't want to do. I didn't want to disappoint her. Yeah. But my yeah. dad, my dad who I saw on the, on the weekends. And I think maybe how my, my kids feel about me is, is like, there's a little bit of fear, a little, little bit of healthy fear. Like, like yeah. I'll just pick you up and move you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you have way. Please get in the car. Oh, you didn't get in the car, and, and I'm taking action on you. Like you're going to end up doing burpees right away, or you're, or I'm moving you. Yeah, and I, and I think you. I think that what you said there is that healthy, healthy bit of fear, right? It's, yeah. Is because I don't think you feel like as a kid, you don't feel like your dad's going to hurt you. And right. I mean, and there, there are obviously those situations as well, but you don't feel like he's going to hurt you. But you do understand that he has a more powerful position than you. And I think that's automatically understood um, that there's a hierarchy and you don't start challenging that until you get, you know, quite a bit older. So you start to feel like you're a man. Um, and so as a child, if you don't, if you're, if you're in a, in a household and there's no hierarchy where your mom is just loving on you, no matter what, she's giving you unconditional love while you appreciate it. It kind of puts you on level with her at times. Right. Because she's giving you the same amount of respect and yes. love and adoration 
that you're getting her. So it puts you on the same level. And then you're like, okay, well, I'm the man of the house. I'm going to do what I do, you know, and it, it kind of causes, causes issue uh, maybe more than it should, especially, um, you know, when it's just mom. It, it, I like how you use that word uh, respect because my mom and my, and my wife are always reminding me that, Hey, make sure that no matter how you treat your kids, don't ever disrespect them. Like don't, yeah. di- don't disrespect your kids. And so I can see that that's like an important thing to them. You're right. And the kids do see, they do get kind of get on that level with their mom. I'm more of the bulldozer that moves them around mm-hmm. and their, and their mom is more, I don't want to say they're equal, but they had, they have that uh, connection with them. Yeah, and I think yeah. I'll eventually have that connection with them too, but it's, now's not the time. Now I'm dad. Right. Right. Yeah. And you can't, you can have that, but, but it, it's, it's not a constant feel of that. Right. Like I definitely, and my wife does the same thing. I definitely try to make sure that I'm respectful of my children and they're, they're, they're humans, right. They're people just like I am. Um, and they, they live in my household. So I definitely want to give them the respect that they deserve. Um, but I, but I feel like sometimes she's giving them respect. They haven't earned necessarily. Um, and then there's, there's a lesson that they have to learn to get that level of respect. Right. And they're, they're, they're going to continue to gain respect and grow, but I don't want to give them um, credit for something they haven't done yet. And I think that's the difference is that she's she's willing to do it. She's going to give them everything no matter what. Yes. I, I want to make them earn it. And, yeah. and that's where we kind of sometimes butt heads is like, I yeah, they don't they didn't do anything to get that. Right. Like they they're great kids. They do good in school. They don't cause us any troubles. And so in, in that regard, you definitely want to give them everything you want to pour into them. But at the same time, that's kind of what they're supposed to do. That's their role in the house right now is to be good students. And <laughs> You know what I mean? Clean your room. That's like your normal. That's what you're supposed to do. I, I don't want to give you brownie points for doing the job you're supposed to do. I will congratulate you and pat you on the back a little bit. But, hey, <clears throat> I need you to go do something else. Um, my wife and I were, uh, together for 15 years. We were never, we were never going to, we never planned on getting married. We told each other, we didn't believe in marriage. We didn't believe in having kids. There wasn't something we were going to do. And then when she was 39 and I was 43, um, she saw another woman breastfeeding and she's like, Hey, I want to try that. I was like, all right. And so, you know, stop using contraception and boom, she's pregnant. And then two years later, she's pregnant again with twins. And, uh, I I think, you know, for ease of the story, I don't think we had fought in five years. You know, we we were great fighters for the first 10 years, and then we just figured it out, right? They, they mm-hmm. We're having the same fights over and over, so you figure it out. You have some heart-to-hearts. And then you have kids, and it's like what you said. All of a sudden, she's the nurturer, and I'm the lion that sits around at the top. It's just like, you know, constantly looking for danger. And and uh, we started fighting again, and every single one of our not, – not in a bad way – but it, and it's important for your kids to see you fight and important for them to see you make up. But all of our, all of our, any tension in my relationship with my wife now is around raising the kids. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's around nuanced stuff about, am I being too aggressive? Am I not respecting them? Am I, and it's interesting, you know, and, and it's a give and take, right? Sometimes she realizes she overstepped her bounds on nurturing them. You know, like what you were saying, they got to earn that. And then mm-hmm. other times it's like, okay, I let that, um, I, I, I let it go that way. Like, okay. Yeah. 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 It, it, it's interesting. Um, 
I, and I like what you said about your kids have to see you fight and they have to see you, you know, make up. That's important. But um, it's so important, right? Especially if they <laughs> see you fight, you have, even if I have to fake it. Yeah. I'll go in there and kiss her and apologize and like say, hey, it was, it, it, I handled the situation completely wrong. The refrigerator door was left open and that's never a reason to raise your voice. And, and I, I'm a complete jackass and there's no excuse for it. And I'll do my best to make it better, even though I'm still angry about it. You know what I mean? Right, right, yeah. Because I, because I, I want them. I want closure. I want safety for them, and I want them to do that to to the women they meet. I want them to have closure. Plus, no one wants to fight. Right. Yeah. No, you don't want to. You don't want it to linger. That's for sure. No. It doesn't get any better. Uh, that's something I've had to learn. Uh, just because you know, emotionally, like I, improving my emotional intelligence because I have you know two daughters is something that I've really been uh, kind of big on in the last I don't know year or so. Um, but it's definitely helped me with with my wife, too, is like before kids, I had two emotions. I was happy or I was pissed off. And that was it. Right. Um, because I just didn't have any need for the other emotions. You know, I had a bunch of bad stuff happen when I was a kid and being sad didn't help make it any better. Um, so I just kind of let that go. And when you're married and you have kids, you can't just be happy or angry, right? That's not how the world works. I can't walk around the house upset. So I had to learn how to be self-aware, uh, be socially aware, and then understand what emotion I was feeling and, and be able to express that better. Um, and it also helped me understand like what my wife or what my kids, what emotions they're feeling. Because, <laughs> and I joke about this all the time, I had those two emotions. I realized there were other emotions, but when you look at there's like uh, this emotional intelligence wheel and there's like all these, there's like 47 emotions. I'm like, but there's no way I felt all these things. There's no way people feel all of these things. Um, but it is, it is definitely a real thing. And to have your kids, especially sons understand, you know, that we can have emotion and then we can work through it without being angry, without being frustrated, without using uh, our body to handle the situation and we can, we can converse about it and then we can move forward. It's super important. And it's definitely something that I want my daughters to see from me because I want them to be in relationships where if they do have an argument, the man in their life talks through it, conversates, it respects their emotions, and then they can move forward. I, I pride myself, um, on, on knowing everything. And, and if I, and if I don't know something, being able to stay still and look into myself and get the answer, i just pride myself on it. I think I'm just so fucking smart and wise and funny. And the other day, my six-year-old son in the car driving next to me goes, Heidi, that's father in Armenian. What are feelings? And I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm like, okay, just stay still and let, you know, let the answer arise out of you, Savon. Everything always comes to you. You live a charmed life. And I told, and I gave him some examples. And the whole time I'm like, I'm not telling him what feelings are. I'm fucking like waffling around. I'm just giving him, him examples. I'm like, hey, dude, I don't really fucking know. I can give you examples, but I don't even really know what feelings are. I'm like, so when you figure it out, you tell me it was, it was a crazy, it was a crazy moment. Right. Yeah. Uh, because I, usually that's what I do. I just stay still and I just wait for some like answer to come. If I don't like it, I stay still a little longer and another answer comes and I try to, and I want to be honest with them at all times. Mm -hmm. I'm like, dude, I don't even know what they are. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't I don't think and that's one thing that I think um uh, you know that we have to continue to do. And I don't I when I say emotional and, and getting getting in touch with our emotions and understanding what emotions are, uh you get a little bit of pushback from from guys mostly and it's like, you know, that you're gonna that's soft and emotions or whatever, right? And I definitely am not advocating for you to be soft, whatever that means to to whoever. Um but I think when you have a connection to how you really feel, you can move in the world a little bit differently. You can be a little bit more decisive. You can show up as a better family. If you're only, you know, you only operate through fear, anger, and happiness. Um, it's really hard to decide what to do. And a, a lot of times, a lot of times you're acting out of that fear or you're acting out of that anger. And those are probably, uh, movements or, or, or situations you're going to regret later on. Like, I, oh man, I really didn't, I wish I hadn't done that. Um, but yeah, it, it's really, it would be really hard for me to even explain to my kids what, what emotions are, um, what are feelings. I don't know. Like, you know, right. It's a trip, uh, right. When he said that, I was like, well, we got a word for him. Like I can, if you ask me what a dog is, I can be, it's like that four legged furry creature that we, you know, we've chosen dog. Right. Right. Yeah, um, I, I, go ahead. I, I do, I do, I do talk to him about using their emotions. I said, hey, I always tell them, hey, man, that's free energy. So, like, if my if my kid says, hey, can I can I play with? It's eight thirty at night. He said, hey, can I take this toy to, to my bedroom? And I'm like, or you know, off the shelf in the living room, can I take it to my bedroom? And I'm like, no, we're going to bed. And he'll throw a temper tantrum, and I'll kind of just walk away from him and let him like process that. And later on, I'll be like, hey, dude, what if you took that energy and you were to come over and hold my hands? And say, Heidi, how about tonight, baby? Just one night, we make an accession. And you look in my eyes, and like a like an alchemist. And then he's like, "What's an alchemist?" I'm like, "You you gotta you gotta take that energy and see how to use it better to get what you want, as opposed to let it take you over." And I kind of and you know that's a lot for a kid, but but they're starting to get it. Like right. like like that's man, it's it's a powerful. It's a lot of energy that just goes can go to waste if you don't use it right. Yeah, that's a really important seed to plant through, no matter how old they are, is, is understanding how to use that energy and that emotion to their benefit, because you're yeah. going to have them. You're going to have emotions, you're going to have feelings, and you're going to not know why you feel them. But if you can channel them into something more purposeful, like you said, like taking that energy and, and understanding how to not manipulate the situation, but use it to your advantage, um, that would have been huge, right? <laughs> He'd have grabbed your hands and looked you in the eye. He probably would have broke you down, right? There. Oh, he work. He can, they can work me. If they can work me, they can. It work might have, me. It might have turned into every night if he had played it right. Yeah, um, it, but I think that's that's important. Uh, an important role for us as fathers is to teach them those things, right? And I think I think you can without actively doing it. Like in that situation, you would actively be teaching them how to use that energy. But I think. In the, and even the not responding to him when he has a tantrum, right? Like my wife. Yeah, my that's what I do. I try not to respond. I just try to stay still and and, and just stay still. Yeah, like I was going to say, my, my wife in the, in the situation, because my youngest has big, big swings of emotion. And she'll, she won't give in and she's getting better at it now. But she used to like hold her and pull her in and, you know, and do all these, these really nurturing things. And I just am like, yo, I'm not taking that from you. And so she's learned that it doesn't work with me and that she has to use a different angle to get me to do something for her. Right. Um, and that's Which what I'm saying. Awesome. Like, Cause that's a new skill set for, right? 
exactly. how to manipulate mom, how to manipulate dad. You're doing your job. You're giving them another skill set. Right. And it's an, it's an, it's not active in the way that you you had told him about his emotion. I just I'm, I stonewall that idea of I'm going to cry my way to get what I want, because I know when she leaves my house, crying might get her out of a speeding ticket, but it ain't going to get her much more. Um, and so she's going to have to use her vocabulary. She's going to have to use her 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 thoughts to figure out how to get what she wants um, without going into this this, you know, on the floor, kicking, screaming <laughs> set of emotions that isn't going to get her anywhere in public. Uh, the, uh, the great Cobra Rhodes writes, uh, I believe the most important thing in dealing with someone else's feelings is to know that those feelings, though they may not make sense to us, are very valid to them. Cobra has, I think, seven, seven, seven kids, maybe nine kids. Oh, wow. Wow. Kudos. Kudos. Yeah. I don't know if I could do it. I got two and I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How, how did you end up going down this um, path? What was your um, uh, inspiration? Are, are, did, did I see um, hear correctly about you? Did you used to manage five gyms? I did. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how you I were, got it. And you were a sports guy. We established that, right? You, you played college at uh, DVC and then you went on to play yeah. uh, at a four-year. Yeah, I played, I played football at DVC. Uh, I went on to play at Michigan Tech. Uh, which is in a much colder place than I am right now. Um, after after school, I actually worked in business uh, coming out of school. I uh, I I went in um, to get. I was actually going to be a veterinarian, so I was in biological science uh, until my second third year, <clears throat> and then I switched because I start playing better, and they they gave me more responsibility. And uh, being being in the lab until 10 a.m. and getting up for practice at 6 a.m. didn't really make sense to me. Um, so I switched to business and I was in marketing for a couple of years and hated it. And so I got into personal training. Um, so that led me. What to, position did you play? I was a, a linebacker. outside okay. linebacker. OK. Yeah. So so I got into personal training um, and and kind of worked at normal commercial gyms, like 24 hour fitness and some of those places, um, ended up at a high school. So I got into strength and conditioning, got out of personal training. Uh, I didn't really enjoy training, you know, this time of year is great, right? Everybody's about to start going to the gym, uh, in about two months, nobody's showing up. <laughs> so I got tired of riding that wave and, and got into strength and conditioning so I could work with athletes again. Um, and got, lucky enough that I was doing well enough to, to take a job with the New York Mets. Um, so I worked there for two seasons. Uh, and then my wife with got strength pregnant. and conditioning. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. Yeah. My, my, I came home for an R star break. Uh, we had missed each other and, uh, I think we know how that goes. Um, <laughs> uh, and then, you know, I, it's, it's interesting. We, uh, we were going to visit my family for Thanksgiving she wasn't feeling well, you know, took the test, found out I, I was going to be a father. And, and it was it's immediately in that moment um, when she told me, I I was like, yeah, I'm not I'm not going back. I'm not going back to Florida. I'm not going back to New York. I am. I It was nothing in my mind that I could reason for me not to be there, not to be there for the the, the appointments, not to be there during the pregnancy, not to be there, you know. Once, once the baby's born, six months out of the year, I'm in Florida or or New York or flying all over the country. Uh, and in six months, I get to see my kid. I just couldn't 
put that together in my head. So, uh, you know, I called my coordinator and let him know that this was it. <laughs> uh, you know, I'd finish out the season or whatever they needed me to do. Um, and luckily it wasn't much and I was, I was out. Um, and so that's when I say, like, I, I kind of realized my purpose in that moment. You know, I had been trying to, I thought strength and conditioning was it and trying to get to the upper levels of strength and conditioning and, you know, being in a, in a major league baseball is, is huge, but it wasn't as fulfilling as in that moment when I heard my, I was, I was dad, you know, immediately that, that trumped everything else that I had done to that point. Um, and so I had to figure out how I could be home and available um, for, for my child. So came back to California. Um, I was, I had been kind of working part-time with a company, um, a strength conditioning company down here in Southern California. Um, I let them know that I was coming back and they, they welcomed me with somewhat open arms. Um, and, and just kind of worked my way through the company to the point where I was, uh, what I say would be regional manager. I was basically second in command in terms of, uh, the company itself. Um, and we, we grew that to, to five gyms and it was great. And then the pandemic hit and I realized that I had gotten away from my purpose. Um, you know, in the gym life, especially if you're running a gym, I was the first person in and the last person out. And in between throughout the day, I was going to different gyms. So I was driving all over the place. Um, I was spending 12, 14 hour days at the gym and my kids were growing up without me. <laughs> the reason I left to be home with them um, I had lost sight of that. You know, I got into, you know, we're building this great business and we got all these kids. We got 50,000 athletes that have trained at our facilities and it's just all these different things. And it was great, but it wasn't my core purpose, right? Serving, serving people. Yes. Uh, helping young athletes reach their potential. Yes. Uh, you know, reaching back into the community and doing some of the community stuff we were doing. Yes. But my core purpose has always been my children. And being a father and I wasn't there. Um, and I say that the, during the pandemic, I realized that because, um, you know, all the gyms are shut down in California. So I'm home and uh, I think it was like a Tuesday and we're having dinner. And my youngest daughter asked me, why am I there? Um, oh. and even now, even now that it chokes me up because like I hadn't in her whole life, I hadn't eaten dinner at home throughout the week, like Monday through Friday, like I was gone. You know what I mean? Um, and so, you know, for her to see me at dinner and, and I, in my own house, like I, she was like, what are you doing here? Um, and she didn't, obviously didn't mean it maliciously, but it was like, she, one of those kid questions, like, why are you at dinner? Like, what are you doing here? You don't eat dinner with us. Um, and again, in that moment, I was, I was rocked to my foundation. Like, yeah, this is, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. Um, so I set it up and, and, you know, hired some people and trained them and, you know, and replaced myself basically. Um, and so, wow. wow. Yeah. So I've thrown my, thrown myself back into being committed to my family, um, to showing them and providing for them and doing the things for them that they need me to do. Um, obviously I still got to be a provider and I still got to do different things to make sure that I'm bringing, <clears throat> keeping a roof over our head and, you know, food in their mouth and all that stuff. But I get to go to games. I coached their, their softball teams this last season. Um, I'm at practices. I'm at, you know, midday awards events. Like I, you know, anything that they have going on, everything that they have going on, 
I want to be fully present and available because I was, I was the kid that didn't have that for a period of time. And I know how it felt and I don't want them to ever feel that way. Um, three things I want to go back to, uh, I want to write that down. You know how it felt. Um, when, when, when you found out your wife was pregnant, mm-hmm. did you feel like a software program started up in you that you had never seen before inside of you? Like this thing where you're like all of a sudden, cause that's what happened to me. I, I felt like something like this thing start up. And I'm like, who the fuck is that? And then that person just took over. They just kicked yeah. the old me out. And I was yeah. like, this is this is incredible. Yeah, it's it's funny. And I, I talk about that all the time is how how, you know, that title father, even if you've never had one, even if you never experienced one, even if you had a bad one. Once you receive it, there's a certain amount of weight. Like they say, heavy as a head that wears a crown. There's a certain amount of weight that comes onto you immediately. And if you don't download a system or have uh, another version of yourself step up, that crown is going to weigh you down. So almost immediately, yes, I definitely felt like I was becoming someone else and nothing had even happened yet. I just heard some words, you know? Yeah, and I was like, yeah. yeah. I stepped right into it. Like what the door, a door opened in front of me and it was my opportunity to, to rectify whatever I thought that I could, or to create a world for this person that, that I didn't see in front of me. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was, it was, it was like all of a sudden I knew how to speak Spanish. I never spoke Spanish <laughs> in my life. And then all of a sudden I'm, I'm, I'm fluent. I'm like, what the fuck? Right. I was so blown away. I don't know if that's a biological thing or what, but all of a sudden my, everything shifted. All sorts of the example I give is when I used to packages used to come in the mail and they would be like camera equipment. I would be so excited and I would sit down and open it like nothing else mattered. The whole world would go away. And now all of a sudden packages are sitting on the counter for weeks. I don't give a shit. You know what I mean? I'm like, who who have I become? There's a, there's a new lens in there. You know what I mean? I was, it was a trip. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely shifts your perspective. Um, you know, some of the, some of the things that you, place value in just don't seem so valuable anymore you know um and and if you, and it's if freeing you, too right it's freeing it's so freeing if you allow it to because i know a lot of guys and this is especially younger guys you know I talk with yeah and i was guys, old i was old i was 43 they they struggle with uh letting go of their ideas and, and, and i understand it because <laughs> as a young man looking back if I had, if I would have had my kids maybe 10 years earlier when I was, uh, no, 10 years old, I would have been 17. God, please no. Uh, <laughs> but had I had them, had I had them younger, let's say five, when I was in my early twenties, yeah, I was just learning how to be me at that time. I was just, I was in, I was just figuring out who I was and then to have a kid come in and now I just embraced myself. Now I've got to be a father or I've got to be a husband. Can't I even imagine. Can't even imagine the struggle of trying to grapple with all of these identities all at one time. Right. Because we have our biggest struggles in life when we go through these these identity crises. Um, And, and, you know, going from a boy to a man is one of those, Uh, you know, going from just being a, a, a boyfriend to a husband is another one of those that we struggle with. And definitely manhood to fatherhood um, might be the easiest transition if you've had some time to establish your manhood. Right. right. Because. Right. Fatherhood is like that next step. And if you haven't really built out the foundation of manhood, 
Well, then you're fathering on sand and it makes it more difficult. You aren't able to just download the fatherhood software. Yeah, you know it was I mean? so easy for me. Yeah, your system I was, was, was kind of done with myself. I was ready for it. I was like, fuck, 43 years with that guy. <laughs> done with him. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was It was time for an update. It was time yeah. to update your software. And it, it, you're compatible. You had all the things. A lot of it, too, is, is as as men, we are building to a point, right? Like we're, we're trying to get financially stable and we're trying to get some of the things that we've always wanted as young men. And we're trying to create this life for ourselves. And then kids throw that out the window. Like <laughs> they, they, they don't care about that. They immediately just come in and, you know, they, they demand your resources. They demand your attention. They demand your time. So if you haven't had an opportunity to enjoy some of your success, uh, to enjoy some of your manhood, then you're at an internal struggle with yourself where the man you and the dad you were like, yo, I, I need this. or <laughs> I need this. Uh, and it makes it a bit harder. Uh, it's interesting. A lot of people, the, the conventional wisdom is, is that you're going to have kids and you want to have them kind of young so that you can go out and throw the pigskin around with them and play Frisbee with them and, and you know, uh, lift weights with them and all that stuff um, and, and coach their softball team. But the truth is, is although I, I may not um, be able to go to the beach and play Frisbee with them for six hours straight at 50 because I, t I take care of myself, I can still go out there and play for 30 minutes full sprints. Then I just need, you know, 10 minutes or 15 minute break, you know, hang out, lay down, and then I can go again. But I don't, but I, but I never hard on myself for it because I enjoy watching them move actually as much as I enjoy participating. Like it's really not a, I don't feel like I'm missing out in the slightest. Like I can just go to the skate park and post up and just watch them move and just be in awe. Right. Yeah. I think, I think that's, that's on us. I think we think that we have to have that six hours of energy. Right. But if I, and I tell guys like money wise, right. If I paid you a hundred dollars over six hours, or if I told you I'll give you a hundred dollars an hour, which one would you have a hundred dollars an hour? Right. I take yes, that all sir. day. Your kids want that hundred dollars an hour too. Like you don't have to play frisbee for six hours. Give them a hundred dollars worth of frisbee in that hour. Damn, damn, you know what damn, I mean? If that yeah. if that's what you got, if that's all you have, be intentional about it. Set your schedule to fit it. Yeah, go all in, go all out during that time. Yeah, and then you don't have to worry about those other. Maybe those other five hours you could do some other stuff. There's right. some other things you could fit in, and I think we struggle with that because the world demands so much of our time. And we're trying to figure out, well, if I'm going to give eight hours to my job, I got to sleep. <laughs> no, nobody really sleeps eight hours anymore, unfortunately. But <laughs> let's say we got a, eight hours to my job. I got to sleep for eight hours. I'm probably commuting. Like there's not any time for my kid. Right. So I got to wait until I got to, you know, th there's all these different things that we think and we put on ourselves. But uh, whether it be kids or, or any other thing that you want to commit yourself to, if you're intentional about the time and you set it up correctly you can give your undivided attention to uh to your child to your goal to whatever to your wife if it is if that's the situation um but it's a matter of taking hold of your life and understanding things that are going on around you the paradox here does two-part question for you the paradox here right is that your rate how is it that you're we're saying that dads are so important and yet you were raised by a single mom and you're, and you're becoming such a wonderful dad so there's that paradox here i'd like to explore and then also i want to talk where did you learn your work ethic is that from watching a mom um uh, how, how many siblings did you have 
I'm the only child, but I have four sisters. So my, I'm a mom's only child. So when I'm living with my mom. It's just me. <laughs> okay. Um, so when I yeah. So somehow she set an example for you uh, about work. Mm-hmm. Right. What, what did that look like? And, and, and I thank God I had that too. My mom was a fucking workaholic. Yeah. So, so here's here, my, my situation's interesting. Um, so my mom and dad are together till about five. Um, my dad struggled with some, some drug issues. Um, <clears throat> the eighties, California, like, you know, Drugs are huge. Um, so they, they end up getting divorced and he was gone. Um, gone completely, I probably say for two to three years. Right. Um, very important years, though. Right. From, you know, that I was like four and a half to, to seven and a half, uh, almost eight. Um, you know, he's he's not in the picture at all. <clears throat> he, he starts to come back. You know, he's gotten himself together, he's starting to come back. But then it's the custody situation. So I get to see him. Uh, every other weekend, every maybe a month in the summer, you know, they split the holidays. So I get to see him like Christmas Eve, um, that kind of thing. Right. So I don't get to see him a whole lot, but I do get to see him. Um, my mom remarries. Uh, she marries my stepdad, uh, which, which was, you know, good because there's a male in the house, but he worked overtime all the time. Right. Uh, he you worked. did like having a stepdad. You weren't resentful of him. You weren't like, "Hey, dude, get the fuck out of here." Uh, well, that's um. Uh, let me, let me. Okay, explain. okay, so, okay. So I, I did. I don't want to say I didn't like him because I didn't have a reason not to like him. Right. right. Like I just, it, I'm, I'm a pretty agreeable person. He wasn't doing anything wrong. He loved my mom for all intents and purposes. Um, but here's the, the, the thing about it is, like I said, he worked overtime, so I barely saw him. When I saw him, he was eating dinner or he was sleep. You know what I mean? Like he, he, he wasn't around. Um, he was a male figure in the house. And so there was that, you know, that, that feeling of discipline and structure, but he wasn't ever there. He was always working because my mom, <clears throat> my mom actually got injured on the job and she's been on disability like since I was six or seven. So she hasn't been able to work like a real job, uh, like that. So from him, I saw you get out, you go work, you take care of your family. Right. Uh, and I always had, and I, I actually looked him up the other day. They had been divorced for 20 years and I looked him up the other day and I was going to call him, but I, I didn't have the courage to just yet. Um, but, uh, what I saw from him, what I learned from him is that a man goes out and provides for his family, no matter what, no matter how tired he is, no matter what the situation is, you get up and you go work. Right. Uh, when my dad comes back into my, into the picture, he's working two or three jobs. Right. And so, uh, I see the same thing from him when I'm at his house. He's to, going to and from work. He's he's making sure to spend time with me because he doesn't get a whole lot of it. But, you know, I know that he works two jobs and sometimes three jobs. Um, so I'm seeing that from him. My mom can't technically work because if the state find out she has a job, they're going to take away whatever resources we get. So she's, you know, doing side jobs and doing little hustle things. Right. Um, That's we, an interesting conversation on its own, huh? Yeah. What, yes. what you just said about how the state works. Yeah, man, it's, it's a, it's, I don't understand how they expect people to live. I, I, granted, I, I know there's, that's a very nuanced conversation. There's a whole lot of parts to it, but, but even today in 2022, the amount of money that they give a person to live on in a state like this is, is, and then say, you can't make anything extra. You can't go out and, and do it. It's, it's tough. It's tough. So we were, 
we were, uh, I think at that time, I think it was like 14,000 a year. Uh, and wow. we're, you know, mother and a child are supposed to own that. And if she goes out and get a job, which she, she could have, but she's li- like literally injured. Like it wasn't like she was, she didn't want to work. Like <clears throat> she had had surgery. Uh, she was going through physical therapy for years. She's still to this day at the age of 65 has the same as similar back injury that she had, you know, when I was six. So 33 years ago. Um, so it wasn't like she didn't want to work, uh, you know, working. I wouldn't hire somebody that has to take every other day off because they're right. No, I mean, just just be real. Right. Like, you know, you're, you're a great person. Your work ethic on Monday was great, but I can't have you out Tuesday and Thursday, you know, (laughs) it's just not going to make sense. Um, so she, you know, she did different, different things under the table. So in, in terms of working to, to, make money. I saw everybody around me working to make money. You know, everybody is doing something or, or multiple somethings or working overtime, um, which I inherited from them. And which is why I was working those 12 or 14 hour days. Cause it's just what I thought people did is what you're supposed to do. You go out and you breadwin. Um, but I don't, you know, looking back at it now, I think it was both a gift and a curse because I didn't get to spend the time with the fathers of the male figures in my life to teach me some of those other lessons um, that I would have liked. To, and I, yeah, I do, didn't know that I needed to know them then. Um, you know, I was just happy that, you know, somebody was there and, and taking care of business. Um, so learn that, that part of work ethic, but then I played sports and I had some really good coaches along the way. And I think in that era, that eighties, nineties era of sports, it was, it was, there were still some coaches that would get in your face, grab your face mask. Uh, they weren't taking you, uh, being lazy. Water was for the week. And that some of these things that aren't necessarily good things that we know now, but they just weren't going for you, not working hard, working hard, It was like that was inherited. It was innate. That's what you had to do. Um, And so I wanted to play play sports. I enjoy playing sports. And so I I adopted it. Hard work. It pays off. Right. And and that's what we're going to do. So that's where my work ethic came from, I would say, is, is, you know, seeing it from the people that are that are right around me. Um, And then it just nothing less being accepted. Right. what was your second question? I lost it in all of that talking. <laughs> well, I, I, I think I think I think you nailed it. I think you nailed it. Basically, you're saying is that the two components were is that you did have people around you who were working very hard in sports. The fact that you yes. were in sports and you had someone basically saying to you, hey, don't be a pussy. And there's a place for that. Right. Right. And I'm not the I'm not the like my 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 it's funny. My my uh my grandfather, if you go back to to uh, Richmond and you look at some of the track and field records, my grandfather's name is at the top of almost every list. One of the fastest guys in the city, one of the fastest guys in the state during his time, he didn't finish high school. So you're talking about a freshman sophomore, uh, was the fastest guy in the state, um, for many years. And then my, my, actually my uncle ended up breaking his record Wow, long time later. Um, so I'm come from a fast family, but I'm not, you know, (laughs) I'm not slow, but I wasn't as fast as them. I wasn't. Yeah, as you're strong. big. You're a big dude, though, too, right? Uh, you're, uh, you're... Uh, you know, I'm all right. I'm all right, con- considering. Like, I had to work hard at, it. and this—that's the point I'm getting to. Is like, I wasn't the fastest. I wasn't the strongest. Um, I've got some some athletic talent, right? But everything I had to work for, 
And in order to get better, I had to work at it. And because my dad was gone or, you know, splitting visitation time and my stepdad wasn't there, anything that I wanted to get better, I had to do. I had to go out to the park and recruit some friends. Or I had a buddy in high school and his dad was a bodybuilder. And we used to just like beg his dad to give us workouts. Right. We saw a Walter Payton video. So we, we used to we found a hill. We used to run up and down the hill like it was just things that like I would go out and actively try to find ways to make myself better because I really enjoyed sports. Wow. Um, and I felt like I didn't have all the tools that some of the like my friends. I had friends that were like phenomenal athletes. Right. Like, just, oh, man, this guy is a freak athlete. And I wasn't a freak athlete. I was just a good athlete. And so I had to work and I had to do things to to help myself be better at it. You know, um, we talked about a little earlier, uh, Richmond being a wild place. There was a period of time in my life where I couldn't go outside because it was dangerous in our neighborhood. Um, and there's only so much TV you can watch. So I, my, I begged my mom for a dumbbell set and I used to just do curls and pushups. And, you know, it's like being, <laughs> I think about it now, it's like being in prison and <laughs> trying to get yard time uh, and go out and do some workouts and, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. And so that definitely helped me, uh, you know, as, as things went on, I, I did get kind of become a bigger, stronger, faster guy, but I wasn't that initially and I had to work at it. Do you know um, how your granddad ended up in Richmond, where he came from? Uh, from Texas. Uh, he's from Texas. His side of the family is from Texas. Um, uh, by way of Louisiana, I want to say Baton Rouge. My great-grandmother's Baton Rouge, and then they moved to Dallas, I believe, or Dallas area. Um, and then they end up moving to Richmond because she – it's a really cool story. She ended up working the docks in Richmond. It, you know, mm-hmm. the port, the port there at one point was the largest port on the West coast. Um, she, as a woman at that time was not allowed to work there. So she wore a big jacket and a hat really low and covered her face and worked as a woman on the ships for, I want to say, and this is her telling the story. She would say for, <laughs> for a time and a half, which was like, you know, seven years, 10 years, whatever time and a half old, old black people talk. Um, as, as a man, she worked on the docks, at, but obviously she's a woman and they found out and she got fired, but she worked on the docks and she would, you know, during lunchtime, she would just go somewhere else where everybody else, you know, spent time having lunch, um, you know, in an effort to provide, to try to provide for her family. <clears throat> and that's where she met your granddad. No, that's my great grandmother. That's how he got to Richmond. She brought him out here. Oh, Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Interesting story. <laughs> um, there, I was, uh, I was walking around in, uh, the Berkeley Hills one time and I heard this, 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 this is probably like 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I was walking with my wife and we used to go on these long walks up from San Pablo up into the Hills. And I heard this like screaming, not even like screaming, like wailing, like an injured animal. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking around and I, I can't figure out what's going on. And uh, I finally see that there's a garage. And it's in the middle of the day, right? There's no traffic. Everyone's off to work. And I see that there's a garage door. You know how the garages are off to the side of the houses there? They're kind of like not connected to the houses. Mm-hmm. There's nice houses up there. And I, I see a lady's head sticking out from underneath the bottom of the fucking garage door. And the garage door is closed on her. 
I fucking jump over the fence into her front yard and I pull up her, her garage door and it's like this 90 year old woman and the garage door had collapsed on her and pinned her to the ground. Wow. And, um, she, and, and I, and I, I take her into the house and she's so crazy. Thankful. She makes us tea. We sit around and we, we eat with her. And basically I'm just trying to find like some relatives I can call her. We hang out there for like two hours until some of her relatives show up. But she was a black woman and she told us her whole story about how her dad had been, was basically a, a train. A, he worked on a train. He's like one of the guys who walked inside the, in the, in the train cars. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and he did the train back and forth from New York to California. And then, and then that's how they got established there. And it was just a fascinating story. So I find it fascinating also that it was your great grandmother who worked on the docks, right? She came, she came yeah. out West for, for work, right? Yep. Yeah, and I, yep. and, and, I, and I'm gonna bet she came out on the train. <laughs> I, I would bet so too. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, my uh, my gr- my grandfather on my mother's side worked <clears throat> worked on the train as well. That was, I mean, at, at, the, at the, obviously trains were the way people got around, but that's how a lot of a lot of people got to that area of California, right to that Oakland, San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, just coming out west on the train. Let's find work. Let's find something to do. Um, I know that was, I guess, the case for my family um, in some some ways. Um, this this is I remember the question I asked that we're getting to. So then, how did you get into thinking that this was a good idea for you to start sharing this with the world? How did this become your mission? You knew it was your mission for yourself, for your two daughters and your wife. When did you decide, hey, you know what? I'm going to take this up um, as. Uh, I'm going to get on uh, a ladder and start screaming uh, this to the world. Um, there's kind of two answers there. The, the, the selfish answer is, is that if I don't help other fathers, the world that my daughters grow up in are going to have bad men and bad women. And so in order to make them, in order to cre- help create a world for them that I would like for them to live in, then I'm going to have to help others. Um, so that's Dude, the self. That's brilliant. <laughs> if I don't help who, who the fuck is, who's my daughter going to marry? That's how I feel too. Yeah, if I don't make yeah. good boy, if I don't help, then who are my daughter, who are my sons going to marry? Yeah. Okay, so that's, the, that's, the, that's the selfish one. Um, here's the other side to it is, is I, and every day I realize how amazing fathering is, how transformational it is, how hey, here's a perfect example. So you have a weight loss client, right? They lose a hundred pounds. What's one of the first things they go do? Go start telling people, right? And then they become a coach somehow. Now they're they're helping people lose weight. It's it's one of those things where you have those transformations in your life. And fatherhood is a transformational event. You want to go share how important that is, or how wonderful it was for you, or some of the things that it changed. And as as I began to do that in my immediate circle. Um, you know, other people start kind of catching on and I start talking like just random people. Like I run into a guy and it, it's being a dad is, is one of those, like you talk about like a networking event where you have to find a commonality to make that conversation. It's super easy. Like we, it, it, we all have these little connecting things and I start talking to the other guys and I just start spreading out. And I was like, man, being a dad is super important. And there's a lot of dads who are leaving that on the table just for whatever reason. And I'm not blaming anybody. What does that mean? You mean, you mean not embracing the job and and running with it? Yes. 100%. 100%. 
because, you know, and there's there's a number of reasons. I won't say excuses because they're real, right? People really feel these feelings and they have reasons why they aren't able to be there. And there's custody things and there's relationship things and all those things. But I think that being a father has such an important role in our society. It's such an impactful thing to do in our world. If we can be better fathers, then we can create a better world. Like, I don't think that I'm going to be able to change the world, Right. I don't know that my daughters are going to be able to change the world, but if we can individually infect one other person and that other person can infect another person to spread that eventually entry kids, great, great grandkids somewhere, they're going to, they're going to feel that impact. They're going to be in a world, hopefully, uh, you know, where, where the children of that generation have been fathered well, um, and they can move and and enjoy and live uh, in a world or with a with a partner, a group of people, a community, whatever it is uh, that has been fathered, and they can enjoy that that fathering. What do you what do you th- what do you think? Is there is there a single reason you, you um. You know, in in the circles I run in, there's a, people blame the government a lot for the reason why uh, women are breaking away. Let me not let me rephrase that. The reason why men and women are separating. They're saying that the way society is set up, that people are being rewarded for leaving their husbands. You know, maybe you've heard that narrative. I don't, I don't know what narrative I believe. I don't even. I, I don't. What's what's the solution? How do we keep couples together? Is it like, hey, don't have kids unless you're going to stay together? You kind of can't say that because people are going to just fuck. Like that's what we do, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Is is there any practical <laughs> advice or like, hey, like like, hey, do six sit-ups a day and you'll stay with your wife? I mean, is there any, is there any like you know, just learn how to make an omelet and you're cool? Like, what is there any? What's the practical solution? I I know it's important that we just talk about it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I definitely know that because then maybe you're less likely to to, to snap on your wife or snap on your husband and, and you'll realize the importance of staying together. You know, all, all my I will say this. Every single one of my friends who, who's gone through a divorce is like, dude, no matter what, don't get a divorce. Yeah. You know, and then there will always be someone in the comments who will be like, hey, my fucking husband beat me. Fuck you. Right. And I'm like, yeah. OK, you win. Yeah. Uh, it, it's well, it's a, is, there, is there any just like practical advice um, is, is it go to counseling with your wife or, Hey, make sure you work out with your wife. Like, um, the, the, because that's the root, right? We got to try to keep couples together who are having kids. Right. Yes. 100%. <clears throat> um, I think, well, even in that statement, we have to keep couples together that are having kids. A lot of people that are having kids aren't couples. Mm. Um, so that, that's one of the things, um, I would say too, I think we have to, think of the bigger picture, right? Uh, I think a lot of times we go into <clears throat> these situations, people have kids based on six seconds of pleasure, right? If the average orgasm lasts for six seconds, guys have an orgasm and then we're like, oh, and then we had, you know, we had a kid. I need a sandwich. Later. I need yeah, a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Ten, 10 months later, we got this kid that we never intended on having and we're having to make a transition sooner than we. And so now, you know, we're going to do the right thing. We're going to do right by her. And we, you know, we married this woman that we really had no intention of marrying prior to that. Um, and then it gets rocky. 
And we've never worked on our relationship because at the start of it, we didn't intend on having this long-term relationship. So we never worked on ourselves. We never worked on our relationship. And now it's easier for me to just bail out. This isn't working. I can't stand you. Hey, I look, look, I love, I love little John Jr. is my favorite. I love him. Um, but I don't like you at all. And so I'd rather just leave you and love them than to stay here and hate you and hate my life. Right. Um, so I think they're, they're definitely, I think we put more time in, unfortunately, I think we put more time into picking out our shoes than we do picking our partners. Wow. 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 Like, like if you think about it, like if you're going to yeah. go buy, if you're going to go buy a pair of shoes, right. You, you, yeah. if you go to the store, let's say even, even if you go to the store, you take them out, you try them on, you put, you tie them up, you walk around the store a few times with them. Uh, now nah, I don't really like those. You put those back, you, you know, these are a little too tight. Let me take the, like, I don't think we, we vet our relationships enough for something as serious as fatherhood uh, or parenting, I should say, uh, or marriage even. Right. I think a lot of times we, we, uh, cause marriage is work. It's not. And I don't say that in a negative sense because anything worth having is worth working for. Um, but it, it requires you to work on you, which a lot of us don't want to do right. As men, we definitely don't want to admit that we have faults. We don't want to say that there's something wrong with us. So we don't want to, we don't, it's always hard saying that because then you get like like you mentioned the comments is always <laughs> no always, I get it I get it there's always somebody a, on both sides of if if you get a flat tire in your car you have to cars are work right you get a car you have to wash it you get a flat tire you got to change it the engine breakdown you have no problem doing that work but for some reason you keep getting in the same fight with your wife every three days and right and if, if, if by by the fifteenth time if you're still blaming her you're a fucking idiot right exactly because like hey man now it's like. You you need to do some work. You need you need to have to change something that's coming out of your mouth. You need to stand differently. It doesn't matter, but you better start fucking like working. Right. Yeah. You better slow and, everything down and start working. You're right. It is work. A brand new car is work. A brand new relationship is work. You're getting into work. And it starts with you, right? Like right. you have to. Right. You have to. If I get a brand new sports car, I got to learn how to drive it. Like if I get a if I put a Lamborghini in my in my driveway today, I don't know how to drive that. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I think I do, but yeah, I don't think really, you do. yeah. right. I don't really know how to drive that thing, you know? Uh, so I'm going to get in there and I'm going to mess it up the first fuck a couple of times. Like, it's it's not going to look as sexy as it does in the James Bond movie. Like, you know what right. I mean? Right. Um, but eventually I'm going to get the hang of it. But I have to learn how to be the driver of a Lamborghini. Just like right. we have to learn how to be a husband in a relationship or how we have to learn how to be the man in a relationship. If we... Here's the here's the the sad part about it. You I put up a stat and I think it's like 50% or 51% of marriages end in divorce um or 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 something like that. People break up, right? <clears throat> that means that happened and the numbers are a little different, but that happened in most of our parents' situations, right? And so right, we right. That's normalized. Me and it, you, both of us, both of us, yeah, divorced parents. Yeah. It's normalized. Like we've seen that before. Totally so normal for me. Totally normal. It's an option. We don't have to work through it. Like I, if I don't like you and you don't like me, I don't want to change. You don't want to change. Cool. <laughs> that let's, let's, let's break up. But what we don't realize is that when we split up, we invite and that this is the only argument that I'll make for the government or in the government sense, because I, I that's that's a lot. 
Um, once we decide we're going to split, we're inviting a third party in that neither one of us really have control over. And they are going to do what they want to do in our relationship. And if if we wouldn't l- allow any other third party into our relationship, why allow that one in? Right. Um, and I don't think we ever see that. We don't see that coming. Right. And guys and honestly, guys, get the short end of the stick. It's not our fault, but it is someone's fault. Somewhere along the line, some dudes were screwing this thing up. Um, and so we're, we're, we're on the short end of the stick at this point. What do you um, mean? Because the legal system will push the kids towards the mom uh, regardless? Yeah, 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 yeah. They definitely do. And in a lot of situations, like, to be honest, like a lot of dudes aren't nah, – gosh dang it. A lot of dudes aren't fighting to have – uh, full-blown custody like that. They definitely want to be involved. Uh, definitely want to be a part of. There are definitely a lot of moms that are that are, you know, using weaponizing kids um, because they're that mad shit is that. crazy. Yeah. How about the irony of that? You divorce this woman you don't get along with, but the truth is, is you're going to have to try to get along with her more than ever if you get a divorce. One hundred percent. Or you're else going- the kids are going to suffer like a mofo. Yeah, but again, that's the big picture. Right. You've got to look at the big picture of it. You're going no matter what you are tied to that woman forever. For at least 18 years, you're going to be very closely tied after that. Yeah. You guys might not. You might see her at the wedding. You might see her at the grandkids birthday party. That might be it. But for these these formative years, these next 18 years, while they're in, in school or they're growing or they're getting older, you are going to have to deal with her. You're going to have to co parent or parallel parent or something. So you're not getting away. You're not, getting, you, you may not have to sleep in the bed with her. You may be able to go put other women in your bed, but your, your household still involves her. The decisions that you make with about that kid still involve her. The things that you want to do when you go to that football game, who are you going to be sitting next to? <laughs> like her, right, like right. you still, and you're maybe, still there. And maybe her new husband. Right. And that's uncomfortable, right? So it, it'd be, it would be better or it could behoove you to, Try to work through it if um, it's possible. Caleb, go ahead. Let's play this clip. By the way, the, the I want to tell you once again, it's for fit fatherhood. It's the number four fit fatherhood. It's it, it's an endless resource. I dug through it for like two hours last night on my computer. There's so many good clips, all varieties. But uh, and, and, and he tackles some tough subjects because it, well, because okay, let's hit play on this. Well, you'll know why here in a second. Into women, you know more single dads, you know than single. Excuse me, can I can I get a second? I, You're forgetting about the part about the fathers who's yeah, trying to right. parent. Hold up, I let you talk. You you forget about the parent. All right, you about to. You forget about the fathers who's not given a chance to be a parent. My father tried to be there because he wasn't with my mother no more. She made that shit so toxic for him. Yeah, he had to let me know. go. So you say yes? No, 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 no. Hold up, hold up. I let you talk. My mother didn't even want me, but still didn't want my father to take yep. care of me. Right. Okay. But you're still not seeing the I've perspective of women I've not allowing that. men to More be fathers. Yep. No, that's to you. I can't that's to that you. I've seen the kids weaponized more than once, man. That is a fucking tough thing to witness. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and it's it because because there aren't many ways to get at a guy, right? Like because we're stoic and we we put these walls up, even in our relationships, right? Like we don't give more than we have to. Women know like that kid is your soft spot, no matter how tough a dude you are. 
right? right? No matter how much of a badass you are, kids are your all there. They immediately have a straight shot to your heart, right? right? And if I can't get back at you, I'm saying all these things about you to you. I'm telling people around you these things about you. I keyed up your car, all these little petty things, and you're you just you're shrugging them off. Well, I know how to get you. <laughs> I know how to get it. I know how to dig in. You can't see your kids this weekend. No, they're not gonna make. No, no sorry, they got something going on this weekend. You can't see them. Um, that hurts. That that is definitely a way to get at uh, somebody who who maybe doesn't respond in any other way. And by the way, and in the end, it's only the kids who who suffer. One hundred percent, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. I I was doing some uh, some work with First Five Alameda, um, with uh, co-parenting through the holidays, and and some of the stories the guys have is is there. It's a struggle. I mean, like, and it's not like we think about custody a battle, and we're like, oh, we go to court, and they figure it out in this, you know, maybe a few months, few weeks. These dudes are struggling for years. Yeah, like five, six, seven years of custody battles. Where it's inconsistent visitation, no visitation at all. Um, I, I, a buddy of mine that I played played football with that I grew up with, um, and you may have seen it on my podcast. His his wife just took his kids and moved to Africa, like just just Holy took off. Holy shit! Um, and didn't Holy shit. she forced his signature? Just took off, and he had to go through the, the FBI. Like he had a whole. I mean, it's a whole thing. Um, and I tell them all the time, bro, it sounds like a movie. This is, it, it does it, sound it, like a movie. It does sound like a movie. There is like, a movie. I'm sure there is that movie. I'm like, right. You're Liam Neeson. Like you literally had to go and, and, and like, he had to get help from the government to get his kids back. Did um, he get them back? He did. He got them back just recently. Uh, a few months ago, he got them back and, uh, they, they went out there, kicked in the door and, and, you know, got the kids back. Um, so now he has no custody. shit. The FBI did that. They, they, they do good shit like that. <laughs> uh, it, it was a struggle. It was a struggle for sure. But, uh, cause he, he actually went out there and tried to, you know, do take care of some stuff on his own. But the government out there was like, if you're not paying, we're not doing anything. Which like country, she, which country were they taken to Ghana? She went to Ghana. Wow. That's, uh, where that's, uh, West Africa. Okay. Yeah. 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 Up in the top, so, right? Uh, near near Nigeria, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, wow, yeah. that's some scary <laughs> shit to go to a foreign country and try to get your kids. Yeah, that's what I said. Like, man, it's it's like a it's like a movie. Oh, okay, um, he he uh he went out there on his own, uh, like right after it happened, and uh, the I guess the chief of police or whatever the the title is there literally told him if you can't pay me out of your pocket. If you don't have any pocket change, then your kids are going to stay here. Like there's nothing we're going to do. Um, and I think even the the country itself has some, some rule, but they don't interfere in those things. So he had to get the American government to help because they would not at all. Um, and technically because she wasn't a full citizen yet, the, she's still, you know, still responsibility of America. And so they were able to come in, but had she had a little bit more time, that was it for him. How long did they date before he married her? That is a good question that I don't know the answer to. Uh, I don't. How, how long did you date? Now. How long did you date your wife before you had kids? Uh, we were we we're high school sweethearts, so we were together for uh, ten or eleven years before we had kids. We're we're together for ten years before we got married. Twelve years before we had kids. 
Yeah, you think that that's a so, so you you kind of understand what I say when you like by the time you had kids, you kind of been through all the fights. Yeah, been through all of it. Had some time apart. Uh, so we, yeah, we were, me too. We, we were broken up for about a year. Yeah, uh, got to experience life without each other. Uh, like yeah. the high school sweethearts thing is really cute to say, but it comes with its with its downfalls and pitfalls because you don't really get to experience life as a person as yourself uh, because you've always been you know, and you've always been an and, uh, you never get to be a you. Um, so I think we, and we talk about it all the time. Um, that year apart was huge for us, um, because we got to explore ourselves and get to know who we were. And then we came back into relationship. We were 100% ourselves again. Um, uh, but then <clears throat> growing together is important. Um, cause you get to figure out, do you really want to be with this person? Um, so yeah, I, I agree. Dating, dating for a longer period of time, even though, People are pushing you to get married sooner, you know, get engaged. Or what are you waiting for? Dude, if you don't feel it, you don't feel it. Like it, 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 it's no need to rush it um, because as much as she wants to have a ring on her finger, she also don't want to have to take it off at some point. <laughs> so if, if that means you guys dating longer and getting to know each other, then definitely do that. Hey, I, uh, I'm going to be frank with you, too. I'm Armenian and my wife's a Jew and uh, I'm not, there's no fucking way I'm spending $10,000 on a fucking ring. I'll put $10,000 in a mutual fund. And when my kids are 77, they'll have $11 million. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And they'll yeah. be like, okay, I bought a little gold ring for 400 bucks. And I told her, Hey, let that shit get scratched up and pass it on to your grandkids. Um, yeah. I, uh, this guy, uh, right here, Matt, uh, Schindeldecker morning, seven, we work through and talk about skills to navigate these topics at the new CrossFit athlete center, trauma sensitive coach seminar. Love this topic and conversation, dude, you would love to have this dude on your podcast. This dude has started a program that's expanding out of his state and it's expanded all over his state. And basically what he does is he, he has this CrossFit gym and, the, um, the courts, instead of sending people to juvenile hall, the kids have a choice like, Hey, or you can do this program every single day for nine weeks. No, oh, And I the like kids that. that come in there are fucked up. The stories are crazy, right? You could just imagine the crazy shit these kids have at home, but because they're in this group every single day with other kids who went through the same thing and, and adults who've gone through it already. And all the probation officers have to take the class too. So like you're, you have to, you got to do a hundred burpees with your probation officer. It's cool shit. I, I, I can't I recommend this guy enough. This guy's like, like what we were talking about, what's the solution? This guy's getting the damaged goods and like, and, and like rebuilding them. It's cool shit. Yeah. He's doing the work. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's um really cool. There's this um video. There's this thing that um, and I'm making a sweeping generalization. By the way, I saw a friend of mine on your Instagram account. Uh, you, you have, you had a uh, James Townsend. Uh, on your uh, Instagram uh, uh, many months ago, maybe a year ago, working out with his daughter. This guy is a fucking incredible man. Do you know, does that name ring a bell? Do you know what I'm talking about? I, I know the, I know the video. I don't know him personally, but I know the video. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. This dude's amazing. Now he's got another daughter. He's got two oh, really? daughters. Yeah. And Lucky his like, yeah, he is a stud, but, but another guy, I highly recommend uh, you get on the podcast. He's, he's cool as shit and he's putting in the work. That's cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah. See like that's, that's so that is super cool. And what I really like about it is it's breaking that. Like your daughters have to be princesses. Like she could be a princess and lift weights. Right. Like of course. they're, they're connecting in such a way and it looks like it's just weightlifting and it's cute, but they're connecting in such a way that 
she's seeing struggle and strength at the same time. And she's, she's staring at the man she's going to marry. 100%. He's, right? He's marrying her. Like, he's setting her up for success. 100%. Like, and, it, and it's, 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 it's beautiful to see it, right? Because we don't see this, right? Like, we don't get to see how many times a dad is taking his daughter to the gym. And we don't get to see, and you can tell this is not the first time. Like her, her, oh, I like her, dude. her form she's is in solid. every video. The kids are right? fucking freaks. The kids, she's I mean, she's locked and in. he's a tough dad too, man. It's not all fun and games with James Townsend. Like this, this guy's, yeah. this, these girls work. And that, that's the way it should be. You know, yeah. you, you, that, the little kiss before all of that, all these little parts of the video are just like, so he looks her right in the eye. You yep. know, all of these things are so important. She feels safe right now. It's like, you know, it, it, dad can protect. Look at all the weight dad's lifting. Look at what I'm lifting. Like, oh, man, he's amazing. He's my superhero. Like, all these things are happening right now. Are we dancing? Oh, let's dance. <laughs> you know, all yeah. these different things. It's so, it's so uh, important. And here's the thing. He could go work out by himself. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that sacrifice through. on his part. Because you know that guy, he, he needs his alone time to get. He needs right. his alone time. Yeah, he gets at he, it. He definitely could just be, hey, I'm going to the gym. See you guys in an hour, two hours, whatever time it takes for me to get through today's programming. But to be like, hey, you coming with me? And not only are you going to come with me and sit in the corner on the iPad, let's let's get the kids bar. Let's put some weights on there. Let's 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 let me show you what we're doing today. Right. What we are doing today. And that's super important. That connection will last forever. Right. No matter what happens and this is what i what i always say no matter what happens between the two of them and their lives those moments are going to last forever and they're going to echo through eternity right when she whenever she talks about her father whether she's a, a grandmother great grandmother she's going to say my father and by that time great grandfather like he'll be great grandfather at that time he may not be around anymore but the the image and the impact that he has in her life will echo forever he's always going to be her father and that moment of strength and struggle is always going to be there. And my dad was strong, but he cared about me. This is this one thing that he really, really loved. And he included me in it. I was a part of it. Um, you know, she may grow up and love weightlifting herself. And that may be something, you know, that may be a legacy that they leave to get. Like, it's it's being present and available is the best gift that you can give your kids because they're gifts that last forever. You said something yesterday that um, I was listening to your podcast yesterday and you said something that made me so freaking happy. It's it's like I need to hear stuff like this, what I heard on your podcast, that this whole fucking mess we're in, if, if you want to call it a mess, my words, not yours, can be changed in one generation. And when I heard that, I was like, oh, my God, we can. We can flip the script in one generation. If yeah. everyone just does their little part. Yeah. The whole, it, a, the whole thing can just change course in one generation. And I was like, God, yeah. I needed to hear that. Because sometimes I'm like, man, what a mess we've gotten ourselves into. Yeah. I think, you know what? I think I think a lot of it is, is people feel hopeless. <clears throat> a lot of people don't live by the the adage of, you you know, you're planting, planting a seed today so that it's shade for somebody tomorrow. We don't we don't see that. Right. A lot of times we want we want the shade right now. Right. And if we can't get the shade right now, uh, then why plant the seed? Um, but I think if we all right, if, if right now we had a conference and all the fathers got together and we said, hey, this is what we're going to do. Right. 
look, hey, I, you've great dad, Debbie dad, everything in between. This is what we're going to do. And we're going to change the world. And we get together and we put our hands in the middle and we go one, two, three, break. And we all broke out into our lives and did that thing. By the time our children are adults, and obviously our children will be at different ages and some of them will be older and they start making changes right now. Some will be younger, be making changes throughout their life. The world and the next generation will be completely different. Wow. Completely different. Right. If you and if you take it even, even smaller, <clears throat> like I have a group of, of guys that are like, I will say my inner circle, like my group of friends, my kids grew up with their kids. Our, my, our wives all know each other. If we all make a conscious effort to be better than we were or better, not even better than our fathers, um, but better than we were yesterday. We all get together and we say, hey, this is what we're going to do. And we do it. Our kids are going to be better than us, right? Just, just that's kind of how it works, right? It, usually, I mean, there's ups and downs, but usually, like you, you do a little bit better than the person before you because they've laid out some type of blueprint, right? Like, um, you hope so. You hope, unfortunately, it, it could go, it, <laughs> you could be a better criminal, or you could be a better wife beater, or you, you, you know what I mean? Like, you could but, repeat it and get even. But, but I see what you mean. Hopefully, there's some growth. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. If we all got together in a conference, no yeah. matter where you rank on that good dad, bad dad scale, if we all right. say, hey, you're a bad dad, but this is what we're going to do. Right. Right. You're a great dad. Awesome. But this is what we're going to do. Right? right. No matter where you are on the scale, if we all just did that thing. And I don't know what that thing is. Right. And it's because it's so, so many different things that fatherhood encompasses. But if we all, even if we just say we just really all embrace the fact that we are responsible for another human being's life, right? That we hold that life precious and we do everything we can to protect, provide, to teach, to honor that person's life or those people's lives, we could instantly create a world of better people. Yes. And the hope is that world of better people will make better decisions for the other people. Right. And that would just continue to expand until we get some some kind of utopia, <laughs> which which is, you know, obviously not. Well, we have to, to push in the right direction. Yeah. But we have to work towards it. Yeah. I, I, I we live we live in a really interesting time and um, my uh, my politics have changed significantly since I've uh, had kids. I was raised uh, in the Bay Area as uh, a liberal. You know, I did all, all the things that I was supposed to do, um, you know, uh, affirmative action, uh, feed the homeless, um, you know, vote for, you know, Hillary and, and Obama. And then I had kids and 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 I, and I also spent many years being homeless and something happened to me after I had kids and uh, I'm wondering if, if, if you've gone through any uh, similar change than that too. And, and then, and then also I, to push it even further, I, I don't know what your thoughts are. If we even have the de same definition of what woke is, but do you ever feel that something unhealthy is happening and that uh, the community of black skinned people are being leveraged in a, in a, some sort of ideological war that's going on. And, and how, and how do you manage all that? And if none of that, even if you're like, Hey, fuck you, that does, I'm not, I don't play that game. I, I'm fine with that too. But, um, 
Because so, I see both. I see your account yeah. do kind of navigating this middle line, and I'm like, man, I, w- I wonder how, how what, what he's because there's this massive accountable personal responsibility component in yours, um, mm-hmm. not to play the victim, and then there's this other group that's that, that that's all that they want to do instead of pushing forward with solutions, they just they're just complaining. Right. Yeah. I'm I'm very solutions based um, because I like I said I grew up in a in a tumultuous <laughs> childhood and so i've always and this is why i only had two emotions is because of you know sadness and and victim i and being the victim never really amounted to anything to me it didn't help me in any way um but in regards to like politics politics is such a like a, a it's like an umbrella like it's so large it's so above the day-to-day stuff that we have to deal with not that it doesn't matter, <clears throat> um, but I think there's so much more focus. And we, you, you mentioned it earlier, uh, uh, wasted energy. Uh-huh. Is there so much energy that we could use right now, right where we are, right? Like we, we'll get on social media and we'll complain about the presidency and we'll talk about big, big corporation this and big corporation that. Right. But we have no idea who's on the the council in our city or who the mayor is. You know, we don't do anything in in the smaller and the smaller elections. We don't even care about them. We don't even know where they are. Right. Right. I don't know who my mayor is. You fucking nailed it. But I'm bitching about all that other shit all the time. You fucking nailed it. Yeah. And and that that is the umbrella. Right. That is the umbrella that covers the country. But in your immediate area. Right. If you can't fix your backyard. Right. Or not even the backyard. Let's stay in the house. You can't own kids. Yeah. Yeah. If you can't fix what's inside your house, well, damn, the backyard don't matter. Right. The backyard only matters to people who are outside looking. Right. The people who live inside need the house to be clean. Right. And if you aren't taking care of the house, then who cares what the backyard looks like yet right now. Right. Eventually, we're going to get to the window. We're going to be looking outside like, oh, we need to cut that grass. That grass sucks out there. Let's go do something about it. Um, but I think we spend so much time throwing that energy out that we don't ever focus it in. And, and that, that is, that is a big, big issue. That is not to say though, that there aren't problems outside, like there, that there aren't things that are going on that definitely need to be fixed, that there aren't wrongs that need to be righted. Right. Though all those things, all those things are true. Right. And they can be true at the same time. I think there are those of us, though, who are missing our opportunities to do something important in our circle because we're looking outside of the circle. Um, because politics and politicians are going to always be politics and politicians, no matter who you get voted in. Right. No matter who you elect to be into office, um, you're going to have some complaints because the government isn't for you specifically. It just isn't. Right. It's for the whole country. Um, And some people more than others. Right. Like if you got a a little bit more uh, of a fatter wallet, it's probably a little bit more in your favor. Um, So to put that energy And, and, and 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 you're also a little bit more of a slave. That's that, so that's 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 the weird part about making money. You end up being yeah. the more money you have, the more likely it is you're starting to go down the road of being a sellout. And you'll lie and you'll lie to yourself about it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you're getting you're getting closer 
getting closer to uh, a level where you have a little bit more to say uh, or, you know, people care a little bit more about what you say. And so they want you to say the right things. <laughs> like, look at all these people on social media with these massive accounts. I mean, I had my account taken from me because because I had questions about the injection. And I, I had a blue checkmark account with 100,000 followers on Instagram, and they took that shit from me because I had questions. It's like, fuck, yeah. right? Yeah. But yeah. but my peer group stayed quiet, even though I know they're, they have questions too because they don't want to lose their account. Right, and, right. You, you know, they don't want to lose their job, right? There's always going to be there's always going to be somebody that has to go out and be the sacrificial lamb um, in order to the vanguard of the movement. Right. Someone is always going to push for something um, and then they don't get to see it. But somebody else does. Again, planting a seed for shade later on. Right. You having questions. We're asking the questions that probably a lot of people had. Right. But don't have the leverage or the following or the courage to say it out loud. Right. Or they don't want to lose their their Monster Energy drink sponsorship, or or or, <laughs> or 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 maybe their dad's a doctor and that's how he makes his living. You don't right. want to fuck that up, right? Yeah, it's it's very it, these things are very complicated, right? Like, I, like, or is people, it more important for you to stay out of that even because you have to stay focused on your message, which is contributing to the world too? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. hey, I really have strong feelings about this, but I'm going to push it down. I'm not a sellout, but. This message, I can't let this message get derailed. Yeah, I can. I right? can speak. I can speak directly to that in regards to please, this message, please, for sure. Please. Yeah. Um, so initially, with with the podcast Forfeit Fatherhood, the name is whatever, but it was a fatherhood podcast for fathers by fathers. And I say that specifically because for us by us is Fubu's. Fubu was a clothing brand. If you're not familiar, oh, Fubu was a clothing brand started by Damon John. Is a urban is a black clothing. Let me stop stop beating around the bush. It's a black clothing, like black clothing brand, right? For I us, remember. by us, right? Um, Forfeit Fatherhood was a a podcast for us by us, right? It's for for black fathers by black fathers. If you look, I saw some dad, white dudes on it. I was going to ask you if you let white dudes on your show, but then I saw some white dudes on there. Yeah. So initially, it was because I was experiencing fatherhood for black people in a black community with black children and black fathers. So I needed to address that community. Right. Started there. But then as I get more into it, I'm like, man, there's a lot of lessons that can be learned. And if you go further back into the, the Instagram page, there's not a whole lot of diversity in color. Um, but as I get further into it, fatherhood is so much bigger than just black fathers in our situations. And we can learn from everyone. Right. And so <clears throat> I, I started first in the house, right. Started working with the ones around me, those that look like me and, and those that are experiencing similar situations. And I'm definitely going to always be tied to that. Right. I can't get away from it. It's not, I'm not, it's inescapable. Right. Right. But there are so many other lessons to be learned. And if we truly want to be better as fathers, then we have to get the lessons from anyone, from everyone. Mm -hmm. um, and so even though my mission, you know, my mission initially is it was, you know, black fatherhood and I can stay in that lane. I can continue to push down that lane. But the reality is, is if I'm only getting the experiences of the people who look like me, then that's a very short sighted way to see everything. Mm -hmm. I have to be able to rope everything in so we have a comprehensive understanding of what fatherhood means, because there are lessons to be learned from very wealthy fathers. 
right? There are mm-hmm. lessons to be mm-hmm. learned from very poor fathers. Mm-hmm. There are lessons to be learned from guys who have great dads, guys who have no dads. You know, Chinese dads, all, Armenian dads, black dads, Jew dads, get the, them all. The, right? The way that, that different cultures or different religions parent is important to understand because there's a lesson in all of it, right? I may not agree with it. And this is something that people on social media struggle with. <laughs> I may not agree with it, but let me hear it, right? Like I don't mind having an argument. Right. And I don't really even call them arguments. I don't mind having a discussion. I like to have people around me who I don't necessarily agree with because their opinion, while it may be different than mine, is a valid opinion. And it may help me understand. Like, so it's important to have all of it. So, so you'll see now that I post is kind of everywhere, right? There's, there's, there's dad lessons from all over the place because those lessons are important for everyone, no matter who you are. Um, and, and so, you know, I'm, I'm all, again, like I said, at the core of it, I'm still, you know, look at me, you can't, I can't deny the fact, not even look at me. If you hear me, right. I sound like a black guy, like it, there's no way around it. Um, but I definitely think that there is some embracing of everything that has to happen in order to be better, do better uh, for our, our kids and the next generations. There's this um, video. Let me see if I. Um... Oh, your wife wrote a book, but I don't want to forget about that before I go to this other thing. Your wife wrote a book. She did. Uh, um, you must be so proud of her. Extremely, extremely proud of her. Um, because that's no easy endeavor, isn't that? Isn't that great being around someone who's creating shit? Like she said, that she says she's pushing the bar, right? I know, I know. It's a healthy it, competition. It's so cool. When I saw that, I was like, oh my god, he's stoked. Yeah, she she did she did amazing, and it was it was cool to be there through the process to the ups and downs, right? Because if you haven't written a book. And, and I've like messed around and wrote a book, but it wasn't like not a book. Let me just stop that. There's some pamphlets. Yeah, a postcard. It's a it's an ebook that I wrote in a Word document. Like, let me stop. Um, but to to see the process that someone goes through to to take all of these thoughts and feelings that are in their head and put them to paper and commit to letting the world see those because we're thinking things all the time. Right. And we're guarded with our thoughts and we keep them in our head and we don't share them. But to to put them out there, to be vulnerable and tell your story and try to help other people uh, through your story is is it takes the courage that that not a lot of us have. Um, And she's she's a super humble person. So this was like I had to fight with her to get this book out Um, because she's like, no, she wrote it. But then she's like, ah, now that it's out of my head, I don't want to do anything with it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's really, it's good. It's for ladies, but I, you know, obviously I had an advanced copy. Um, and it's really amazing. Some of the things that she's saying, I, I read, I read it and I looked at her and I'm like, dude, you're good. <laughs> like, yeah, awesome. That's why I married you. Yeah. Like, wow. Like, this is really good. Like this for it's like, and I say it's, it's a strong enough for a man, but pH balance for a woman. Yeah. Yo, it is. There is stuff in there that I was like, oh man, I need to do that. I, I I need to start kind of taking some of this advice. Um, And then the other side to it is, is for guys who have wives who are, are, 
experiences. Some of these. Let me, uh, my wife is uh, she builds mental health programs for school districts. So she goes in, she creates the whole program from scratch, um, hires all of the employees, builds out all the programming, brings in all the interns. Um, she has a private practice where she works with, uh, you know, uh, families and individuals. She uh, is a professor at two colleges. Um, she is a mother of two kids. She's a wonderful wife. She's an overachiever. She does all it. She yeah. does all of these things. Right. And so she and a lot of women do a lot of things. Right. There's a lot of stuff that they do. And reading this book helped me really understand her as a husband and how I need to allow her the space to be her and not just be my wife or just my kid's mom or or just, you know, just whatever box I put her in that day. Um, and I think a lot of us take that for granted with our significant others, that they're just going to be whoever they are. Um, and we don't allow them to move from that. Right. Right. I mean, I'm definitely guilty of that, but you put them in a box. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and then when they, when they do something outside the box, we're like, what the, yeah. but, uh, but they're allowed. Well, it to makes color. you vulnerable too. It makes you vulnerable right? too. Right. Like I'm sure that book makes you vulnerable also. Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's, it's really good, man. It's really good. Um, it was good to see her uh, color outside the lines and, and, you know, kind of get outside of uh, all the things that she's doing. And, and it helped me understand too her journey uh, on self-care of why she needs to say no sometimes or why she, you know, is the way that she is <clears throat> without assuming, you know, you know she, you know, you've been my wife and you've done these things for me. Why, why all of a sudden you don't want to do that no more? Like, what's wrong with you? Like, I'm still doing the stuff that I was doing. Like, why are you changing? Right. And it's a part of it's growth, right? We are all, we all should be growing together. We're growing apart. And if as a husband, as a, as a boyfriend, as a, whatever your title is, if you aren't growing with your partner and trying to understand their growth, then you will be growing apart. Uh, the name of the book, for those of you who are listening, the most of the people listen to the show and don't watch it, it's called The Power in Choosing, and the author is Ariel McCone Richard. Mm -hmm. The Power in Choosing. You can find it on Amazon. Yeah, The Power power in Choosing You. Uh, the, sorry, The Power in Choosing You. No, it's in the description as well. Thank you. Um, you, you know, she's in, she's in a very interesting spot working in the school system. Uh mm -hmm. Man, I, I, I've lost so much faith in the school system. I homeschool my kids. Um, I, 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 I dare say that I think the system is now exacerbating issues instead of making them uh, better, that they are, uh, they're, they've become codependents of mental health as opposed to helping people navigate, um, navigate towards health. I think they've lost their, their, their North star. Mm -hmm. Uh, un un unfortunately, I don't know if I don't know if I saw it on your Instagram account, but you know they stopped doing lobotomies. You know what that is? They pull off the front of the brain, and they fucking mm -hmm. chop it up with a butter knife. They stopped doing lobotomies. That was it was a surgery for psychological issues people had, mm -hmm. and they were fucking people up. Right? They were making them retarded. Yeah. And uh, and and that was the last operation that they've ever done in the United States for psychological issues. And now we're back at it again. People have psychological issues instead of helping them. We're putting them under the knife, and I, I, I it's it's very it's very disturbing to me. Very, 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 very disturbing to me. Yeah, we, we've made it business instead of love, and right, and it's it's tough. 
it's tough. Yeah, I think I think uh, business, as you described it, business instead of love is, is definitely what's happening because there's money. There's money involved. There, there, once you put money into it, and you need money to do things, right? You obviously need money to to have these programs and these things. Well, pharma's voting, I guess. Pharma and medicine are voting with their money, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah you're right. Because yeah. you still need money to take them to the gym. But, like, I'll just say this for practical reasons. Before you go under a knife for some psychological issue, have you worked out five days a week for a whole year? And I know that's – and have you cut sugar out of your diet for just 30 days? As crazy as that may sound to people – I'm 99% sure that's always the solution at least to create enough space to start working on the problem. If that doesn't right. fix your problem, it will at least give you enough self-esteem. And, and what did you say in the beginning of the show? Cultivate self-awareness Yeah. to, you know, just tinker with your diet and start moving. Um, but fuck it. Yeah, no, I think, I think we are always looking for, not we, but we are, <laughs> society is always looking for that, that, uh, that quick fix. Right, the magic pill, uh, whatever's going to get us from thirty days no sugar. Oh my God, uh, I'd rather just have surgery. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, uh, it, working out for a year. Oh, oh my God, I'm not to even asking actually... you to do a lot. Just go for a walk for forty minutes, five days a week. I'm not asking you to do a lot. Maybe, maybe the set, maybe every year, maybe start carrying around a five pound weight with you when you walk halfway through the year. Yeah, yeah. First for your for your health. Yeah. Oh no, it's all right. <laughs> no, <thank you. laughs> don't worry i'm gonna get this surgery and pop these pills yeah um i've had you on uh an hour and 44 minutes i want to ask you a, a, a question i want to make sure i get out my my what do you think about telling black kids and jewish kids um i, I use both examples because i know it's pretty common in those households telling those kids that the world is going to be a tough place for you and people are going to treat you um differently and I, I, my wife was brought up like that. And I know a lot of my black friends were brought up like that. And I fucking can't stand that shit. No one ever told me when I was 16 that I was going to go to school one day and people were going to start making fun of my nose. I had to find out my, my own way. All of a sudden, my sophomore year, dudes thought we're making fun of my nose. I went home. I'm like, what are they talking about? And I had to look in the mirror and be like, oh, shit. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Uh do you, do you have do you have thoughts on that? Do you t- do you tell what are, what are your thoughts? Do you, do you tell your daughters, hey, it's gonna be you're gonna have to work ten times as hard as as the as the as the white people to get just half. You, you know you know the lecture. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. the, the they, talk, and, right? It's yeah, the talk. the talk. And the Jew kids I, and the black kids get that talk, and I'm like, why are you putting that fear in them? Like, so I, I'm I'm push back on that a little bit. Okay, so please. I, yeah, I yeah, think, push back all you want. I'm totally open to push back. Okay. I think it's I think it's honesty. Um, the reality is that there is a, a stigma to pigment. It's just it, it, we can we can say it isn't real. We can say it doesn't exist, but it's real and it's a global issue. <clears throat> so the, to prepare them just like we would if if we if it was raining outside. Right. 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 And our kids have on a short shorts and a tank top. We don't we may not let them just run outside in shorts and tank top. We may we may go, hey, look. It's raining outside. You might want to go change. Damn, you're it, fucking me up. Metaphors are my game. Damn. <laughs> you know, it, and it's not, it's not, and for me, it's a little different, right? Because um, I'm not saying uh, the world's going to hate you. No one's going to like you because uh, this isn't the 60s, isn't the 50s. It isn't as in your face as it was in that time. But 
there is there is some difference between you and everyone else. I'm not being uh, I'm not being facetious when I say that. Like you can look look at you and look at everybody else. You look different. So there are going to be some different experiences that you have. Here's what I want to instill in my kids. Hard work and a great attitude. Okay. If you work hard and you have a great attitude, most things are going to work out in your favor. They may take longer, but they're going to work out in your favor. I'm not saying that you're not going to experience these things because you are. I have. My wife has. My family has. These are real things. And so I want to prepare them for reality. Um, But I'm not at the same time saying that this is an excuse for you not to get it done. Right. It is going to be a little bit harder for you. Right. Maybe depending on where you end up. Um, But that doesn't mean that you can't get it done because people have gotten it done before you. Right. So. So like it's 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 a reality. And I think we do need to prepare our children for it to say it's a handicap is something different. Right. To say that you can't get ahead is something different. I don't know that we live in those times, but those times existed and those people existed and they are still around. And there's no denying that fact. Right. It's not that long ago uh, that, you know, there were separate water fountains. It's really it's really not. It seems like it was a long time ago, but it's really not that long ago. No, Those there might are, be separate. What it sounds like there might be separate ones again already. Yeah, so like it, it's not. <laughs> no, those ideas aren't far fetched. Right? I agree. I agree. So, so Crazy. It, it's responsible to let them know that that's there, or, or you can let them go out and find out on their own, and then hope that you're able to be there to solve it for them. Right, like you went out and you, you know, somebody started talking about, you know, you came back and you, you worked through that on your own and you had the, the, the strength and the the awareness and the mental dexterity to work through that without it crushing you. Right. Um, or, or, or deterring you. Um, but if it's in that, and that's, you know, that's not a, a, a I don't want to devalue that situation, but like, <clears throat> let's say my daughter's an engineer scientist. My, my daughter loves, loves science, right? She goes to try to get a job as a scientist and um, she just keeps getting rejected, right? She makes it to the interview because she's got a pretty you know, normal name, right? Makes it to the interview, but she gets in the interview, she gets rejected. Everything lines up. Papers are good. Or, you know, she went to college. She's done all the things. She's interned. She's done all the things, right? Maybe she sucks at interviewing, right? That's a realistic possibility. So let's get her some interviewing skills, right? We can do all these things. We continue to work uphill to try to figure out all these things until eventually something is left on the table. There's got to be one thing, right? Um, and if that is the color of her skin, I need her to know that that was a possibility going into it, right? It, but 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 let me ask you this, um, um, Rod. Let me ask you this: Why? So if I'm if I'm walking down the street, right? If I'm walking down the street and there's a black dude walking to me. And for some reason, I cross the street like I see my friend across the street. Right. Mm-hmm. Or I see, mm-hmm. oh, shit, the coffee shops on that side or my I, I have my headphones in my iPhone said make a left here and I cross the street. And mm-hmm. the black dude's been told, hey, p- white people cross the street because or, they're afraid of you. Then he spins that narrative up and mm-hmm. there was no truth to it. Mm-hmm. And that and that and that instance, and, and that, that's the shit that kind of like like freaks me out. You know what I mean? Like like we're we're spinning up narratives. Now let me tell you something. If it's three dudes coming down the street and their pants are sagging and they're talking loud, it doesn't matter what color they are. If I'm if I'm in Berkeley, I'm crossing the street. Oakland, Richmond, I'm crossing the street. Like I got you know what I mean? Like 
Yeah, I, I no, I, I get you. I get you one hundred percent. Here's here's. I just here's, don't want. I feel like I feel like uh, crazy as I am. I feel like more than fifty one percent of the stories that I'm hearing are fake. Meaning, the the person who was offended, and it doesn't matter what what the issue is, was in their head. Obviously, it's gone way beyond black now. Now it's like sex and just it's just fucking everyone's got like a story spinning in their head why they're offended right 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 yeah everybody's offended i'm offended you're offended (laughs) (laughs) someone needs to write a song yeah i'm offended um but so in that in that situation right like you cross the street and he thinks oh man he crossed the street because i'm black uh and he's white yeah um what does that turn into though? Like, where does that go from there? It, maybe it solidifies. But someone had to tell him that, right? Someone had to tell him that. Like you don't come up with that him, shit on your own. But someone told him out of, out of, so dang, it's hard. So when we have the talk, right. And this is, this is a, uh, I don't know if you've heard that term before, but this is. Yeah. A yeah. The, the Jew, my wife's Jewish. I'm telling you the Jew parents yeah, do it too. The the everyone's okay. out to don't trust anyone. Here, Don't here's trust why, anyone. Here's here's why they have it, and this is what this is like legacy and tradition, right? It's because at one time it was one hundred percent true, one hundred percent true. And one time in this country, not that long ago, there were sundown towns, and there are still some actually to this day. What is that? Black people shouldn't be out past sundown. You could not be out after sundown if you were caught out after sundown. You were subject to whatever happened to you still exist, right? We still have countries who have not, I'm sorry, countries, states who have not voted slavery out of, out of legislature. No shit. Like this still exists. So it it is, it is, and maybe not in that exact term, right? It don't say slave, right? Right. So, so it still exists. People are telling their children these things out of love and out of care for them, right? They want to protect them because in my grandma's lifetime, this was a real thing in my mom's lifetime. She tells me stories now. She's 65. She tells me stories now about when he went to go visit her family and they couldn't. My my grandfather, my mom's dad is Creole. If you saw him today, well, he's gone, but he looks what very much mean? like French, French and black. He looks very much like you. OK, like very like he, you wouldn't be able to tell that he's he's black. His mother is black. His father is French. And I don't know where exactly from, but he okay. but very, very you would say he's passing right <laughs> but but my my grandmother when they would go visit family they he would go in the front and get the food and then they would eat in the back because they could not be together um wow. that's not that long ago no you know what i mean and no, so these 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 stories and these conversations are happening because it's not that far it, again it's not that far fetched for that to be a possibility those same people who were eating in the front with my grandfather, right? Are st- a lot of them are still alive. Right. 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 And cause it's not just old people that were there. There were people that of all ages, there were kids there that were living through that. And that was their reality. Right. And so those people are the same age as my mom now. Right. 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 Those people are, if you look at, you know, if you, you look at. People, I'm not saying like what you're saying isn't true. I'm just saying, why teach it? Do you know, do you know what I mean by that? Like, I'm not saying it wasn't true that I was going to get a big nose, but like, (laughs) but, but, but like, like no one told me, Hey dude, it's going to be crazy hard for you to get pussy. You're never going to be over five, five. I'll be like, fuck. Like no one told me that I had to learn that on my own. Um, Okay. Now here's, here's my question for you. Had they, I apologize for saying that because you have daughters, but it was just for the impact of the statement. No, you're fine. You're fine. 
had they told you that, may you would you have moved a little differently? Maybe. Had you had you been able to get them, <laughs> you know maybe I, mean? I would have taken up sports or something. Had you had you had you had that knowledge ahead of time, yeah, you may have been equipped to do something different, right? Okay. Like I don't okay. think anybody's telling their kids these things to to damage them or to skew their view of the world. It's more to make them aware of how the world views them. Right. Right. And to give them a a uh, foundation to to jump out off of. Right. Because if I know. And and, and again, but I would have never about- tried to hit on the tall girls if someone would have told me that that's the thing, maybe. Or maybe I would have overcompensated. But I didn't learn that till I was in college. till I had a girlfriend. I was hitting on this girl and one of my I was fucking 20. And one of my friends is like, dude, you have no chance with her. I'm like, why? He's all, dude, she's like five inches taller than you. I was like, what? You know what <laughs> I mean? That that like struck me right in the heart. Right. But so, again, the conversation has to be had. And I don't think that it's not. I think the conversation is had with uh, an understanding of why we're having this conversation. Right. Like a, a very I don't remember right, okay, having. OK. Yeah. I don't remember having it where people were just like, you know, white people are going to hate you. Right. It was like, you know, it was it was always in it was it was it was in situational. And they're like, this is what and this is how you have to overcome that. You can't. All right. So I'm a, I'm a strength conditioning coach. Right or am was still do it. Right. Can be uh, all of them. Right. So this is how I looked and I've looked like this for the last 10 years. I'm a pretty nice guy. I'm pretty fun. Like I'm not like super extrovert, like all in your face like that. Right. But <laughs> there are kids in our gym who are just naturally afraid of me. I look scary. I don't know what that means. Right. But I had a, a kid that that trained at our gym for a long time, and then she eventually became one of my personal clients. And she got to college, and she, you know, she wanted to train with me personally. And I asked her how come she never talked to me when she was younger. She said she was afraid of me because I was a big black guy. Mm. Nobody told I. Me and her mother have always had like you know good conversation. Me and her dad always had good conversation. So I don't think that they were at home saying that you know black people are bad and that you know you should be afraid of them. Right. She just saw me and big black guy. I'm afraid of him. This That's in the social melu too, right? Even if your parents don't teach you that the big black guy is scary. Right. Like right. I, yeah. that's, that's, yeah, he's the that's guy the in the reality. Movies. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. and so while when when I'm telling my daughters that it's not because there's the a real like boogeyman outside the door that she needs a specific person she needs to be afraid of, but there is some connotation with walking out of this door or out of this house with melanated skin. It just is what it is. And if I don't, just like anything else I would prepare them for, I would be doing them a disservice to not prepare them for that. And then to go out into the world and be, you know, cause my daughters, we, I'm doing pretty good. My wife is doing pretty good that we live in a, a suburban community. My kids are one or two of the only black kids in their whole school, um, you know, really nice neighborhood. And so they don't have to have their head on the swivel like I did in my neighborhood. And so they are kind of walking through life just with their head in the clouds a little bit. And I don't want them to be blindsided by the the reality uh, that you are different than everybody else. If I can help you navigate that here versus the world, because the world, again, the world is not going to be so nice about it. They're not going to explain why someone treated you that way. They're just going to treat you that way. Right. And if I can give you a heads up, hey, it might rain today. You might want to take your umbrella. Sure. Wear the shorts and the T-shirt. Do whatever you want. I know that's what you like, that those are great. 
take that out. But hey, just throw your umbrella in your backpack. You never know what's going to happen. You're a fucking good dude, Rod. Man, you're a good dude. <laughs> With a great smile, too. Uh, there's this, uh, I saw this video, and it's this guy walking out of walking out of a, a building, little white guy, and, and these people walk by him. And they go and they they regret this is like two a year ago during the height of the pandemic. And someone's and he's little and someone said to him, I can't remember. Someone said, hey, dude, you need to be fucking wearing a mask. And he goes, if I was six, four and black, you wouldn't have talked to me like that. And it was a fucking it was a fucking great line. I was like, oh, shit. I, I just kind of like the reverse, you know, play on that. It's a, but but it's real. And the reason they wouldn't is because there's this innate fear. That goes back for centuries. Uh, like you wouldn't talk to him. Well, that, that might be a healthy he's... fear too. You shouldn't be taught. You should be careful how you lip off to anyone who's six, four. I don't know about the black True. part, but the six, four True. part, you don't True. be stupid. Right. Life's True. not fair. Don't lip off to someone who's six, four. But the black is just the extra seasoning on it. Yes. Right. Like, yes, yo, yes. Whew, I agree. Like there's and, some, and, like there's some insinuation that a black person is more violent than a white person. And, and which is completely a fucking absurd. There you go. Yeah. Hey, um, I, I, I really appreciate you coming on. I'm so happy I got to meet you. Um, uh, who, who am I to tell you who to have on your show? But uh, James Townsend and that guy, uh, Schindeldecker, dude, if, if you need their contacts, let me know. Oh, yeah, both, sure. both amazing guys doing great things with kids. And, uh, yeah. and, and, and I think they're both in your, in, your, in your wheelhouse. You have these four pillars, faith, family, finance, and fitness. And I think those are like just – right down the pipeline with these, with these guys. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I definitely uh, want their information. Like I said, it's, it's comprehensive, right? A, f a father is, is, is everything. Right. And so um, uh, I, I like James, James, Jason Wilson has this, this thing um, where he talks about manhood being comprehensive. Um, and it's a man is everything that he needs to be whenever he needs to be it. Um, and that, that surmises what a man is, because when you ask what's manhood, what's a father, those things, you get all these different answers. Um, and after I read his book, that's what kind of helped push me to including the, the other, other fathers, right. Other Ooh. types. Of so it, it's, it's, I definitely would love to have those guys on anybody that's doing anything father related, uh, that, you know, we can talk to and, and bring on is, and I actually had somebody who wasn't I wasn't a father on just recently uh just in the process of trying to get to fatherhood um so just trying to broaden the horizons and give dads uh the best opportunity to be great um is where we're at right now uh one of the you said this line in a podcast and I want to share this with everyone you said it's hard to be a bad father if you're a good man and then you went on to describe a good man as being emotionally sound, financially sound, and physically sound. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was like, wow, that's really good. I want to read that again. It's hard to be a bad father if you're a good man. And boy, that takes a lot of stress off of you if you're worried about being a father. Just worry about being a good dude, a good man. Yeah. And you're, you, that, was, that was really well said. Yeah, it's it's hard, man. Like, if you're a good guy, just in general, if you're a good man and, and not a father, not a husband, it, it's hard for you to do bad things. You know, right? You hold a, the door open for people. Someone <laughs> short a dollar at the register in front of you. You pay it for them. Just normal shit, right? You, you call your mom once a day. Just like, 
Yeah. Yeah. And then, so you take that, right. You take that as your foundation and you put everything else on top of it. Right. Like, I think, I think that that part of it is, is important. And there's, there's gotta be some work done to be better men. Um, As men, we have this flaw of we're wanting to like win Rome in a day. Right. But it's not, not that way. Right. It's just a little bit every day where we just get a little bit better every day percentages. Right. Some days are going to be 10%. Some days are going to be my kids just set off the alarm in my house. <laughs> They're smoking in the bathroom. I don't know if they, they figured out. No, so I heard I heard the dog barking in the distance and I'm like, oh man, this isn't going to go well. He's going to come to the office and get me. Uh, but he must have went to got them and they opened the door. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the, the, the foundation of being a good man makes everything else better, right? Like a, a rising tide, raise all ships. If you're a yes, good man at your yes, core, yes. if you're a good man at your core, you can be a good father. If you're a good man at your core, you can be a good husband. That doesn't mean that it's not still going to require you to continue to work, right? Because if you're not working, you're dying. Um, but if you can get there, right? If you can get there to being a good man, you can be a great father. Uh, we are no longer in an era, people, where the experts are the scientists or the people who have the degrees. You have to know that. Anyone who leans on you, anyone in their argument, if they say, well, the scientist said, well, the psychologist said, you that that that's a um that's a foul there's a fallacy there in your argument. You are you are using authority as some pillar. I'm telling you, this guy, Rod Richard, uh, just the fact that he's immersed himself in this podcast, in this work, is a greater resource than fucking three hundred PhDs you'd have in a room at a conference uh i really appreciate you coming on uh, thanks for continuing to curate that amazing instagram account and uh, i'll be watching and, and maybe we can circle back around in a, in a year and do it again that'd be great man thank you i really appreciate you opening up your your platform and having me oh um, dude my pleasure to share the message of fatherhood to talk to another father is always good man awesome dude all right tell your wife congratulations on the book i will i will thank you I'll see you around. All right, brother. Have a great one. Yep. Cheers. See you, Rob. Dude, if I had that smile, that would be the uh, killer. Yeah, that would be the, I would be at the, uh, I'd put on another hundred subscribers. <laughs> He's a handsome man. Yeah. Good show, man. There were so many things I wanted to open up. He's good. I enjoyed yeah, that. Uh, Jay Hartle, good shit. Uh, uh, Randy Martin, this is some good stuff. Loving it. Uh, Jessica Valenzuela, awesome guest. Thank you. Yeah, I enjoy that. Uh, A-Z-A-Z-Z. I'm catching a live show again, so I listen to this dad and then listen to Candace Owens and the difference of opinions. His thoughts are very different. His his thoughts and, and the difference of opinion is thoughts. And Candace's thoughts. And the difference of, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't understand. How are his kids different from everybody else? Well, let's, let's fucking be realistic. If they're the only two melanated skinned girls at his school. That's in, in high school. The, it was uh, Daphne and uh, Andrea. They were the two melanated girls that I fucking went freshman, sophomore, junior, senior school with. Everyone, everyone knew them. They were cool, but they were fucking different, and they happened to be friends. And everyone else was fucking either a whitey or a Mexican. Or a Jewy or whatever. No, they didn't even. People didn't even know what Armenian was. So that's how they're different. I mean, in in the most superficial sense, that's how they're different. I I'm not gonna like. Uh, thank you, Matt. It means a lot to me. 
Guys, what a great podcast. So glad I listened in. Thank you. All right. <clears throat> These are some of my favorite Sevon cast. Which ones? The ones where I talk to the other people? Not CrossFitters. <laughs> yeah, nice, Caleb. Nice save. You saved me. Yes, the one where I talk to non-CrossFitters. <laughs> people still don't get what Armenian is. Yeah, we're the original people. There were black people and then there were Armenians. The first you're Armenians the only Armenian I know. <laughs> Probably. If you if you that we're in we're in like two places. We're like in Detroit and our in Los Angeles and Armenia, three places. And Israel. We got a little we got a little compound in Israel, a little corner of uh the city of Jerusalem. Uh tomorrow morning we have Facundo on. Is Facundo coaching? Roman Krenikov? Is he coaching Guy? Is he coaching one of the Panchik brothers? How many people is this guy coaching? Is he coaching anybody at this point? Yeah, maybe he's not coaching anybody. How's his relationship with Rich Froning? Will him How's and Brian will him and Brian Friend start flirting on the show? <laughs> These are the hard hitting questions. Who must ask? I'm I'm so shaken, by the way. Whoever reported me, you did a really good job. You really fucked me up. Point. You got a point. You win. I'm really shaken. I don't want to have to worry about. Um, I don't want to have to worry about what I'm saying. Okay, here we go. A Z Z round two. Sorry, no need to be sorry. Wait, okay, I'll accept your apology. Never mind. Uh, their their parenting and the ways they see themselves, both black but different perspectives. I didn't catch this till the end though. Candace Owens is more of denying any treatment differences. <clears throat> Here's the thing. It depends on how absolute you want to get into reality, right? He, he, um, is Candace denying it? I, I do like this. I'm, I'm pivoting a little bit. I do. I do like the self responsibility uh, component that this guy is pushing. Hey, it's on you. Um, clean your own house. Uh, staying away from the bigger picture. It was a trip that his wife was involved in the educational system. We know what a fucking complete disaster. She's in the two biggest disa disaster zones on the planet right now: mental health and education. I mean, those are just those have been laid to ruin. Anyone who's working in those fields is navigating a minefield wouldn't you say caleb yeah it's pretty weird you good be, answer good answer <laughs> i haven't worked in a college um i know some people who work in colleges and it just gets like very particular about like what they're doing there's no freedom in any of them there's no freedom of thought in education or in medicine it's just especially in like liberal arts colleges they just like you have to take a certain amount of um, like electives and those electives are like a list of like 10 different things that nobody really cares to listen to. But because of some, somebody who gave a bunch of money, they said, Hey, this is a class that I want you to host. And it is not something anybody gives a shit about. The, there's this college. I cannot believe I can't remember its name. It's a super conservative college. I want to say it's in Michigan. Something healed, something shields. Fuck, 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 fuck. 
I can't remember, but I was reading the wiki article on it the other day, and the the irony is they refuse to do they refuse to participate in affirmative action. Um, uh, colleges that participated with in affirmative action, even private colleges, were given money, and this college refused to um, uh, participate in affirmative action because they knew ideologically it was wrong that it was based in racism, and yet this was the first college in the United States to have uh, melanated uh, students. The irony, right? And it had like the largest number of. Uh, yeah, is it Hillsdale? Is that what it is? Yeah, definitely not California. Is it Hillsdale? Wow, good job, clock cutter. Let me see. Uh, let me check their wiki page. Hillsdale College. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fascinating, right? It's a liberal arts college, but it's crazy conservative. God, man, if you want to send your kids to and get an amazing education, send them there. The people who were the 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 cast of characters they have there are fucking brilliant. Hmm. Hillsdale College is a private Christian liberal arts college in uh, Hillsdale, Michigan. It was founded in 1844 by the abolitionists known as Free Will Baptists. Wow, abolitionists! Those are people who are against slavery. Is that what that means? Um, oh yeah, I guess abolitionists. Yeah. Anti-slavery. Oh, the fucking irony. Do you guys fucking see this? It's endless. It's fucking endless. It's endless. It's so obvious. The, the uh, KKK Democrats, uh, the Lincoln Republican, uh, um, against uh, who, who voted against the Civil Rights Act, the Democrat. It's so obvious. This is a fucking Christian conservative fucking college. <laughs> Doesn't participate in any of the woke shit. And it was, it's an abolitionist college. Like endless, endless, like. In, eight, in August 1844, members of the local community of Free Will Baptist resolved to organize their denomination's first college institution. After gathering donations, they established Michigan Central College in Spring Arbor, Michigan. Wow, Hillsdale College. This is a, if, I don't know if you want to read something cool and learn something. College is still around. Conservative liberal arts college almost sounds like a fucking oxymoron, right? They almost have a billion dollar endowment. Yeah, that's million what, dollars. yeah, they didn't have to participate in the racist experiment that all the fucking liberal schools in, in California did. That's crazy. Uh, okay. Uh, so tomorrow we have Facundo on. Then at 9 a.m. after... Uh, uh, Brian and I dance with Facundo uh, for an hour. Uh, we will, um, or I'm going to go over to Coffee Pods and Wads and chat with my friend Pedro. Yeah, only 70 people on. Hey, dude, th that's fucking great for me. I'm ecstatic. I'm ecstatic. I'm not canceled. <laughs> Everyone tell five friends they need to listen to this show. See you guys tomorrow. Bye. Bye-bye.